Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Revely, revely, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. It is the 19th of April, 2021, and it is time on this Monday morning for Morning Combat. Hello, everybody. You know who I am. My name is Luke Thomas. I'm from CBS Sports. I am only, though, just a mere 50% of your hosting tandem here. On the other side of the screen, it's not Rashad Evans, even though he's great. It's not Aaron Bronstetter, even though he's great. It is the return of the man himself. Testicles on his hat, baby, please. It's Brian Campbell. Hi, Brian. How are you? Hello, Luke. Two trailer park girls indeed around the outside because guess who's back your friend the beige one the big bde himself i do as you mentioned want to shout out following my vacation in the mountains of tennessee the great performances by the original bbc rashad evans and also uh the, the honky ab himself aaron bronstetter but as you have said many times despite their efforts luke when one of us is gone it ain't mk any longer but we back, baby. We back with a bang. I'm refreshed. Luke, I'm not just ready to take over this screen, this show. I'm ready to take over the world. So uh, as I've said to you over text this morning, uh, the ark is being built. The flood is coming. Who's coming with us, bro? All right? I, I will say I've been talking to you for most days of your vacation, at least a little bit here or there, some days more than others. And I have noticed you have come back with a pep in your step. I mean, you didn't sound like vacation was all that refreshing, but you do sound refreshed. Yeah, well, I don't need to share the personal details of what I did with my family, Luke, uh, and what happened. But I will tell you, uh, there was some longing. I felt a little jealousy watching our friends. Uh, somebody's been sitting in my seat, and I'm ready to be, to come back. Luke, here's the deal. When I, I know you don't get this, but when you are an artiste, when you do this not for the glamour or the money or the followers, mm. it's about the art and the craft, and that's what I'm about. But you know what I realized this past week, Luke? We already have the best in show we already have the best tasting sauce we are the boss so to speak what we don't have luke is global domination so i will have to care a little bit more about the things that you care about in order to get my art to the masses brother okay and uh you know whether you are just a uh another piece of wood with some bristles on it or whether you are the other half of my heart luke i'm ready to go on this journey with you together okay who's coming with me jerry mcguire let's do this shit, okay yeah, I, I will I will go with you. I will I will either be your Renee Zellweger or your Cuba Gooding Jr. I don't know which one of those I represent in the analogy, but nevertheless, maybe I'm both. Either way, it is good to have you back. And uh yeah, man, I'm excited. I'm excited to do this to the show and um I'm glad to see that you are as invested as ever, BC. Um okay, thumbs up on the video for those watching, hit subscribe, 
For those watching, we have a lot to get to today. Triller, UFC, Bellator, boxing, your questions. Have you seen this shit? Ton of stuff. So let's say if you want to try Showtime and you haven't done that yet, you can do it for 30 days for free. Hold on one second, everybody. I'll, I'll give it to you. Uh, if you if you want to try it for 30 days and, and you don't like it, you can bounce. But if you want to take the plunge, you can see the URL right there, show.com slash Bellator MMA. You get it for six months for about five bucks a month. What were you going to say, BC? I was just going to say, buckle up and get ready. This might be the greatest episode of Morning Combat of all time. Not only am I feeling it, Luke, but because of my absence, I'm rewarding the people with a supersized edition of Have You Seen This Shit? So I know how much, Ooh. Luke, you like completion rates right you like people to get to the ending you you like 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 owner craft you love a good happy ending luke if they stay till the end and we can make you late for your doctor's appointment there'll be a reward there so get ready get buckle up all right good uh also want to give a shout out to the uh showtime i think it was the digital team although i'm not entirely certain who made it but there was a piece on the Showtime YouTube channel that came out after Jerron Ennis's big win over Sergey Lepinets. But it was what they had filmed prior to the our fight itself. I think it was either way in day or maybe the day of the fight itself. We actually have a little bit of a clip because a certain tandem features in the clip quite prominently. Let's roll it. Jerron boots Ennis, maybe the next big thing in the welterweight division. 26-0 with 24 KOs. The 23-year-old from Philly, Luke, one of your favorite fighters, is going to step up in class considerably to take on former 140-pound world champion and hard-scrabbled veteran Sergey Lipinets. If you've paid attention to Ennis, but he is smart, he is athletic, he makes great decisions, he is crafty, his punches are accurate and he's slick. I mean, there's a lot to like about it, but to your point, Lipinets is a huge step up, battle-tested against champions. Good ground Feeling great, you know? You ready to rock and roll? You ready to go to weigh-ins right now? Eat. Feeling strong. Lipinets is somebody I like to call a crafty brawler, Luke. He comes forward. He does put himself in the line of fire. Within the next year or two, Boots Ennis is probably going to be a champion, perhaps with multiple belts. And I think the road to get there has been starting for a long time, but this is the next chapter in it. Hey, look at that. Ooh, look, look, that's, that. A little, uh, that's a little vehicle called Fight Night that the folks at Showtime Digital have put out. You can catch that on YouTube. Um, and Luke, I do a quick question before we move on and get to the meat of this show. Uh, was Boots Ennis watching MK because it is the cure for the common fight talk show or because the producers told him so? Because the producers told him so, and you could clearly tell that he was like, who are these two jabronis on my screen that I yeah, have to tolerate? Yeah, that's what I figured, but I appreciated the effort. Just Yeah, yeah, they, sta they, come, they went 100% staged that, but he didn't throw his, you know, bottle of water at the television, so I'll take that as some kind of a smaller but still significant win. Um, okay, speaking of wins... You can be cooler than your neighbors if you go to store.show.com and you get some MK merch, hats, mugs, tumblers, effing, I don't know, uh, everything else in between. There's your link, store.sho.com. Um, Look, I got an update real quick on that because this is part of the, this is a beautiful shirt here. I mean, can you see the back of my shirt, Luke? Can you see that shit, Luke? Okay. Yes, it says, call me co-host. I wonder where you got that, BC. I talked to the powers that be at Showtime. I said, yeah, look, I'm a man of the people. In fact, people, I will be there for you. These five words, I swear to you. Um, I said, we need an update. I need to tell the people what's going on. Luke, they said May. 
May is the launch of Merch 2.0, the new website, international shipping, fun shit like this. So, you know, circle your calendars. Get ready, okay? May 2023 or like this May? Well, you know, <laughs> knowing our brethren here, you never know, Luke, but hopefully this May, this May, brother. So. All right. All right. Very good. Uh, and of course, we're on social as well. Very quickly, if you want to throw the lower third up for the graphic on how to follow us. And all the good stuff therein, you can see it. We'll, we'll, put, we'll put that up at the end of the show as well. All right, Brian Campbell, we have a lot to get to. You are back. We're ready to go. Let's kick things off, if we can, with topic number one. And I don't even know where to begin other than just to state outright, what the fuck was that on Saturday? Triller had their second Eesh. event, and Jake Paul beat Ben Askren. We'll talk about that part in just a second. Now, a lot of folks are like, oh, why are you leading the show with Triller? Because... Whether we like it or not, it was the most significant in terms of its cultural impact event over the weekend. It was bigger than Bellator. It was bigger than UFC. You simply have to acknowledge it. But that doesn't mean we're all going to sit here and heap praise necessarily. In fact, Brian and I were talking about this all during fight night. Okay, BC, I'll go to you. Your overall review of, I'm going to call it, Triller 2. Wow, Luke. Uh, you know, I'm going to use the terms uh, not for me. And I know that might surprise people because BC, isn't this the kind of, you know, uh, hot dog bullshit you, you know, you, you regularly feast upon? Uh, in theory, yes. And to some degree, yes. And look, for everybody that's watching this going, come on, guys, you know, you shit on this fight coming in. Why are you then going to hijack a half hour of this show that we like watching for this stuff? Well, like Luke mentioned, if you saw it, Dave Meltzer tweeted out the searches. It did 5 million or something searches when WrestleMania only did 700,000. I mean, internet search-wise, pay-per-view number-wise, this, this hit with a bang. The question is, is it sustainable? Is it boxing? Should it be for us? Is it for us? Luke, here's the deal. This was far different than the than the Triller uh, debut offering with Mike Tyson co-producing with his Legends League or whatever the hell that thing is. Uh, that you know what that thing was, Luke, with more Ronaldo, Israel Adesanya, a Snoop Dogg appearance on commentary. I think that that was a progressive turn toward an entertainment direction of what fight coverage can be, but still, Luke, you know, 80, 20, 70, 30 fights with sprinkled on added entertainment right a couple music performances whatever luke this was the inverted pyramid this was about you know 10 percent actual fights and 90 percent a lot of other shit now was all the shit bad no black keys killed it right there luke some of the musical acts if that's your flavor whether it be a reunion of 90s west coast legends or even bieber right bieber not for me for some canucks out there not for me uh some cucks as well uh but i'll say this luke um too much music for me too much ridiculousness for me. Did I like some Pete Davidson jokes? We can get into that later. Of course. Did the Urkel thing in the beginning catch my attention? Of course. I tweeted three minutes into the show, long live Triller. This is out of control. I love it. But Luke, that didn't last long. What they tried and attempted to pull off, you know, it may be for a younger audience. It may be for some of you out there who think it's for me, who says, that's crazy. That's up your alley, BC. It ain't fighting. It ain't boxing. And Luke, I don't think um, financially it can be sustainable when it's basically a four-hour concert with two fights shoved in the middle. And I don't think, Luke, that um, you're going to be able to continue to try to disrupt the market in the way that they are 
in terms of actually trying to be boxing, right? They overpaid for Teofimo Lopez, who will be on the next card. They put Regis Progre and, in, 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 you know, Ivan Redkoch, real boxers on this card. I don't think real boxing will want anything to do with this moving forward because it's so far out there. It's to the point, Luke, of where another thing I tweeted, it's one thing to, to try to be a fight industry disruptor, and it's another thing to just be a disruption. And I think this card was a disruption. I thought the commentary, although I love a lot of the names that were involved in it, was cringe as all hell. I thought it went in areas that it didn't need to go. I thought it was a monster. What the frick am I watching? And not in a way that wants to get me to come back, Luke. So that's sort of my old man take. Get off my porch. Maybe it's surprising you. But you know what I love, Luke? Fight coverage done right with a tease toward the direction of going off the rails. With a tease toward the, the direction of entertainment, right? I mean, I'm a wild and crazy guy. Maybe that's why some of you watch this show. But this show is still rooted in, we're going to come on here and tell you about the fights and we're going to break them down. What I saw on Saturday, Luke, it was for another group of people. Whether that can sustain, I want you to tell me whether you think it can. But I'm not, I'm not part of those people, okay, Luke? Yeah, no, it can't sustain. I mean, here's either the good or the bad news, depending on your perspective. And I use the proverbial you for all of you guys out there. If you like or hate Triller, just take this into account. It's not going to last very long. I mean, the app company, which is really what is driving all of this, uh, they're trying to be a competitor to TikTok. First of all, I don't think these events drive any downloads in any kind of meaningful way whatsoever. Did they even promote the app one time during the course of the broadcast? I didn't certainly see it. I mean, other than the name itself, but like directly asking you to go to your phones to download and engage. They didn't. In fact, they had stars from other platforms. I don't know who these two sisters are. They got a gazillion followers, but their followers are primarily based on TikTok. So it's just this weird giant waste of money. But the bigger point is Dude, that show, I want to be very clear about it. I don't I don't know how much it sold. The reports came out were that it was close to 1.5. John Nash saying he has other industry figures saying that's very doubtful. You should know very explicitly, Triller, the app company, which of course is the parent company, the app company has been accused for years and even admitted inflating their numbers in terms of downloads and user engagement to the public versus what they told for private entities. They have been caught in it a number of times and accused a series of other times. So I don't believe those pay-per-view numbers at all. I don't think they're out of the bounds of possibility, but do I trust them? Fuck no, I don't trust them. And more to the point, that show did not make a dime. I don't know how long they can continue to burn money the way that they did, but eventually someone's going to get tired of losing money and then it will stop. That appetite, I don't know. This is the problem with the show because whenever someone tries something different, it's going to be, it's not a question of is it more bad than good. It's a question of it's not going to last, but maybe there might be some pieces you can pick up on. We talk about it all the time. The XFL was kind of weird, but some of the angles in which they shot the field, the NFL literally borrowed. They took that from the XFL, that defunct terrible league and i'm talking about the one from the wwe tie-ins in like the late 90s early 2000s so like pete davidson interviewing ben Askren and jake paul that was lit i mean that was truly hilarious and different and weird i liked how they were doing that i don't know if i liked everything that happened in the booth i thought what happened to oscar de la hoya was frankly disgraceful he should not have been in the booth can you stay but there for a second luke can you stay right there for a second on yeah. oscar 
Uh, Frank Mir, I thought, had the smartest tweet of all because, look, the reason why I said off the top that I don't think fighters are going to want to come back on Triller, even with the potential of bloated purses like Teofimo Lopez was able to get, because essentially no one's calling the fight. And on top of that, the announcers are kind of making fun of you as you're fighting. And I found out after, Luke, they were pumping the announcements in the arena. So when Ivan Redkoch is going down to a body shot that may or may not have been one, he can hear the announcers essentially clowning on him and making blue balls joke and calling him a quitter. So I thought Frank Mir coming out actually had a sober take of like, you know, we can all make fun of Oscar or argue back against him, but here's a guy who's been in and out of rehab like countless times and has an obvious problem, and they're not only rolling him out on the air to just be a, a clown, but like they're promoting him as having a future fight. Luke, I, I was like, you got to get that Apollo fish hook out from the Apollo Theater and save this man from himself. That was a... That was a really sort of, cr- not just cringe, but sad turn of events right there. Yeah, and I mean, you would say to someone like Frank Mir or Steve Cunningham, it's like, dude, you fight on Triller. I wouldn't expect to have, like, Dominic Cruz level of commentary on what you're doing. At the same time, though, you're right. Like, you know what you have with Oscar, and you're putting this guy under for a long time, quite obviously either drunk or high or both, and it's just a terrible look. But here was what really the biggest, the biggest thing I could say is, it just reminded me of the MGM Grand Lobby at 2 a.m. on a Saturday. It's just a <laughs> mess. And more to the point, Triller took some of the praise that they got from the first fight, and then they started huffing their own farts about it, and then just indulged themselves even further down that road. Oh, we were a little bit loose before. Let's be completely loose this time. We had music acts last time. Let's just go all in this time. They just indulged their own sense of achievement and differentiation. And, and, that's and they like went when you're, way that's too That's where far. you're going to lose the fight fans when you do that, right? When it was... When it was still a fight broadcast, but elements of Snoop, elements of Moro and Adesanya, who were professionals who pulled off comedy pretty damn well. Now you invert it, like I mentioned, and you take guys who, I'm not here to throw shots, but guys who aren't necessarily known for comedy, plug them in and be like, go swear a lot and be funny. Um, It was a train wreck of people yelling over the top of each other. So I think this is one of the things, Luke, where you and I argued a lot in the build to this of why are we talking about this fight? Why are we previewing it? And I was more of the, hold on, dude, this sucks, but it is combat names we know and care about like a Ben Askren. It is almost quasi-real if they had stuck with the formula they had the first show, I would keep arguing with you that we're, we're going to have to keep covering this, right? Because not only is it getting numbers, but it's still almost kind of real fights. What they did on Saturday, I think, is the kind of thing where, you know, you and I are out. Not just because we're 40-year-old white dads and we're lame, but because it's not fighting anymore. And, and you know, across the board, there were just a lot of elements on there that, uh, from the XFL comparison you made, I love the set. I love certain things that hopefully more broadcasters, even our friends at Showtime, can watch and say, hey, man, maybe we could be a little bit hipper and cooler in these lanes. Maybe we can take the MK guys and plug them in more on the uh, on the main broadcast, you know? You know what I'm saying right there? Uh, but, you know, there are other elements that we saw, Luke, where you're just like, I, I would rather them have rolled out Snoop Dogg and Pete Davidson and said, this is going to be a shit show and we're just going for it in that regard. And those are your announced team than doing that sort of weird juggling act that they tried to do. Uh, you know, maybe I'm preaching to, to a dead uh, choir here and maybe people love this. But again, for me, I, it felt like an embarrassment to the sports we love. Hey, listen, this is why promoters don't take risks with how they present their products because it's so cost prohibitive to try different things. So I appreciate that there are other folks in the market who are trying to push that envelope. But honestly, like, 
and everyone wants to say this, like if I came out, we were talking about this before the show, BC, if I came out and said I thought that Godzilla versus King Kong or whatever the fuck that movie is called is a bad movie, people are like, well, what would you expect? I'm like, right, I'm not expecting Sir Lawrence Olivier in Lawrence of fucking Arabia. I am expecting a relatively coherent plot or well-done action scenes, if that's what your big budget production is offering. I mean, what are you arguing? That big budget productions, if I have to let my guard down, can't ever be bad movies? Of course they can. So I don't have high expectations for this, but seriously, I'm going to say something. If you wanted to enjoy the main event on a silly level, anyone of any variety can do that. But if you actually like like the Triller product, you have serious taste level issues, right? You have very serious <laughs> taste level issues. You are the lowest of the low. You are the raccoon even 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 BC would like I'm not eating that shit. That is I, that is a level to too low. That look, I get that a lot of it was aimed at a different audience that aren't regular boxing fans. So maybe having nine musical acts that that are probably stupidly expensive to pay for was smart. But you can't sell a million, a million and a half pay-per-view buys without that core fighting fan base that wants to see it. And Luke, I just cannot see that more than maybe 20% of the actual fight audience could come away from Saturday night being like, I want more of exactly that right there. I don't right. I don't see how you could be anything. And I think social media gave us an indication of the reaction, but turned off and turned away by it. Last thing I'll say on this is I, I I'm not even sure who the direct audience is supposed to be. It's like you had these younger artists, you know, none of which appeal to me, but of course I'm old, so that doesn't matter. That's fine. I'm sure they're quite famous. People like them, Doja Cat, Saweetie, whatever. But it's also like you had Too Short and E40 and Snoop, and I I, I like these folks and Ice Cube. Are they really relevant as music artists to the same TikTok generation of the D'Amelio sisters? Like, I don't think they're relevant at all. So it's this, conf and then Black Keys are great. What the fuck do they have to do with any of this? So like, it's this really yeah. bizarrely like confused mixture. And anyone who is tweeting out there, hey, angry people, shut up and enjoy the music. Like, really? You know, the music yeah. can be a, it can be a sprinkle on top, but we are here for fights, right? Like at the end of the day, we are, we are here for fights. Why would, if you're Regis Progre, why would you ever want to fight on this platform again, Luke, unless he's fighting Mario Lopez? Seriously. Like, you know what I mean? Like, unless he's going out there and fighting a, a pro wrestler or an actual clown, why would you want the serious art of, of this ridiculous, you know, I get me taking the stance is absurd because I'm absurd. The sport I love of boxing is absurd. Never any day of the week can I competently stand up and put lipstick on the pig that is boxing and tell you that anything is out of bounds for boxing, right? Except for this. Yeah, here's Sorry. the thing. It's like, Sorry, no, except listen, for this. Triller, Triller has one thing going for it. Well, two things. One... They've got a bunch of coke-fueled VC money who apparently they just don't mind just spraying everywhere and wasting it and burning it. Okay, that's one. That's fine. That's their choice. The one thing, though, that beyond that that they've got going for them, BC, is combat sports have become to a pretty large degree, especially boxing, but MMA really kind of too. UFC is what, like, even Bellator is like this too. It's become very corporate. It's very, very corporate. And there's always going to be a circusy element to combat sports you cannot get rid of it's always a question of where you put it how you manage it and what it looks like but it's it's never going to go away and they're leaning into that there is an appetite for it now and in part because everything is you know not relative to let's say the nba but you know relative to what it used to be mma is super 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 and boxing too buttoned up very buttoned up and they're trying to find a go another direction but they leaned into it so heavily so 
so indulgently. It was just pure Versailles sleaze the entire time. And uh, I needed to take a bath when it was over. Let's so ask this question though, here. Go ahead, go ahead. Last word on that. I was going to say, even though Pete Davidson in some ways was the comedic MVP, um, do you really want your product to be like openly trashing the, the headliners that you're putting out there in such like, like, look, did I like when he's screaming, I'm going to come at the start of the main event? No, I went too far. Like a mom joke here is funny. A weed joke here is funny. But when he's just out, out, outwardly trashing your, your quote unquote stars, I think you got to ask yourself, Luke, could this last? Should this last? Actually, I thought that part was really great. But yes, there's certainly a debate to be had about that. So let me ask this question. People ask me this. Hakeem from CBS Sports HQ. Hakeem Dervish asked me this on Saturday night. It's actually a very difficult question to answer. Is Jake Paul good? <sighs> um. So here's the deal. When I was gone, you made a, I thought, a really apt uh, breakdown and comparison that Jake act, Jake Paul is really like Kimbo Slice 2.0, the involvement of the, you know, quasi-celebrity making a serious dip into actual combat sports. And uh, with that, you get that there will be protective matchmaking. There will at times be the hints of fixing and corruption. And by the way, I do want to talk in a second about how this actual main event ended and the reaction to it. But um, I thought that was an apt point. I think right now from what we know about Jake Paul is for a celebrity fighter, he's pretty damn good. He's young, he's big, strong, and fast. And he seems to take this seriously, right? He's got, like, BJ Flores and Jay Leon Love training him, like, legitimate boxers. Uh, by the way, that little spinoff feud between T. Wood and Jay Leon Love, which has now included uh, Daniel Cormier, is a little bit weird. Uh, people need to wake up and be like, uh, Jay Leon Love's an actual boxer. Like, he can't handle himself here. So let, let's take a step back. But, Luke, the whole point here is that, um, yeah, he's pretty good for the celebrity boxing scene. But to act like we know anything about him through three fights to the idea that the difference right now between him and Kimbo, Luke, is at the very least Kimbo was fighting actual fighters. I mean, it was 46-year-old Tank Abbott credible at that point? Well, well, no. Or, or Ray Mercer? Well, well, no. But they're actual fighters. I mean, he fought a five-foot-nine Nate Robinson who had a month of training camp. He fought some YouTuber, Luke. And now he fought a hip-replaced ex-MMA star who... I got a lot of issues with how he may have prepared and how he actually performed, but also his one glaring skill in the field in which he became a star was striking. So it was it was perfect matchmaking to the degree of we know nothing, Luke, whether Jake Paul is actually a good fighter. All we know is that on the MTV rock and jock level, he's like Dan Cortez or Flea. You know, they're musicians and actors and hosts who actually can ball a little bit. So they look really good when they're crossing over Latifah, right? You know what I'm saying? But dude, I, and I'm not here to shit on Jake Paul. I, I think it's, I think his commitment to this is actually kind of fun. Did I think that he should have been crying in celebration after beating Ben? No, but that's a topic that you can debate on another day. But Luke, to try to act like, oh, you know, I, I saw somebody tweeted out that he's now ranked in the top 200 in cruiserweights in the world. I mean, get the frick out of here, Luke, okay? He is a marketable guy who takes celebrity boxing seriously. But I can't sit here and tell you he's going to get sent to hell against an actual fighter with equal experience until I see it. And until they actually do that, we're not going to know. I mean, do I want him now to face somebody with hands? Like, you know, if he wants to fight a Tyron Woodley or anybody in that in that ilk, 
of a maybe they're an MMA guy, but they got some hands and they're tough. Maybe that will teach us more, Luke. But for right now, these were one-sided matchups, and to his credit, he went in there and did exactly what he had to do in each one. We should do a resume review on Jake Paul and just to put this whole thing to bed. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, let let the cosmic uh, twisted karma of the MK resume review just just be the natural selector of life here and take over. But here's the thing. It's like, dude, I will leave the door open for Jake. I think you're the same. I will leave the door open for Jake Paul. I am not saying he's bad, but I definitely can't say that he's good. Now, listen, if he's 3-0 and in, in boxing, right? If he was a, an up-and-coming boxer fighting in the middle of nowhere at the cards that started at like 5 p.m., you know, he's not going to be fighting very good guys either. He's going to be fighting a bunch of dudes who he'd probably beat just the same. Okay, so in that sense, it may be a bit of a wash. But listen, this is the deal. He has never fought another boxer in a boxing match. I mean, understand that. Ben Askren may have a license to box in Georgia. He ain't a fucking boxer. And neither is Nate Robinson or the other pre-diabetic gas station attendant he fought in his debut. None of these guys are boxers. So what I'll say about Jake <laughs> is Paul that, is... Is that an Easton Gibb or, or KSI? I forget. Which one are you talking I don't know. about? I don't know. I don't know. I, I literally don't even know who the fuck it is. I'm just saying... I'm just saying... He clearly hits hard. He clearly trains well, you know. But how does he look in the third round after he takes a shot to the body you know, that he didn't expect in round two? I don't know. What's his cardio like by round five? I don't know. You know, what does it look like when uh, someone pushes him against the ropes? I don't know. We don't know any of these questions because he's not fought anybody else who's trying to do this shit in a serious kind of way. So I leave the door open for him. And until he walks through it, he is the Harlem Globetrotters and maybe not even that. You asked, you asked, I'm going to let me put you back to you there, BC. You had made a point that you were, there there were were some concerns from people who don't watch a lot of fights, if you ask me, saying that they thought the fight was fixed. I think that that is absurd, but you seem to think there might be more to the story. No, I'm here to tell you that I'm normally the guy telling you, oh, come on, because people thought, Luke, let's remember, okay, there's levels to fixing, right? Okay, have we seen both MMA and boxing fights that that were maybe partially fit? We probably have and didn't know it. But there's a difference, Luke, between like a guy went in there and and faked getting hit and fell, right? This wasn't fixed in that regard. But Luke, I, I don't know if this was on the up and up the same way. And I saw some journalists and some of them had some connection to Triller, so they were defending it going, how could you call it fixed? I was there. Ben Askren's face hit the canvas. He took a flush punch. Yeah, all that's true. Yeah, Ben Askren did get take a flush punch and did get hit hard. I'm going to tell you a couple things, though, Luke. Um, I saw Ben Askren in the UFC get hit really freaking hard with smaller gloves and knees and kicks. And did anyone watch the Robbie Lawler fight where he got dropped on his head and nearly got sent to hell multiple times and fought his way through it? I've seen a guy, Luke, who is at the very least tough for not having hands, right? A world-class tough combat athlete. You know who I saw on Saturday night? A guy who did not train at all for this who maybe the only time he put on gloves, Luke, was those customary videos he put up with him and Freddie Roach training. I saw a guy who in the interviews basically said, "Um, you know, I don't even care about this fight. They're just paying me so much money that I had to go through with it. You know what I also saw, Luke? A promotion that's spending a absurd amount of money to put on this show. So am I here to sit and tell you this was definitely rigged? Send your lawsuits to BC at Morning Combat. No. Was it a flush punch? Did he actually get hit and go down? Yes. But did Ben Askren go in there and try to win this fight? 
Nah, look, he didn't fucking try to win the fight, okay? I don't see how you can watch this and have any... Like, even on Ben Askren's best day, if he didn't come in as fat dad, 191 pounds, let's say he came in in the best shape of his life. Could he outbox Jake Paul? I'm not really sure, Luke. That, would, by the way, was the hook of why sports fans kind of cared about this fight. Because you're not actually really sure. I kind of want to see what would happen. We didn't get that. We got Ben Askren, fat, didn't care. Already been really, really embarrassed by Jorge Masvidal. Seemed to be okay that that potential could happen again. And maybe, up to you for discretion, was willing to not move his head and take a flush one and cash a big one. Did that happen? Is BC telling you it happened? No. Could you put the pieces together and think that maybe what you saw wasn't fully on the up and up? Luke, there are times when people scream fix. They scream fix after Mayweather uh, freaking Aldo. You remember that? They screamed fix after that. That wasn't a fix. This one has a little bit more weight to it in my mind when you add everything together, Luke. You because mean Connor versus Aldo? You said Mayweather versus Aldo. Sorry, McGregor versus Aldo. Oh, you, yeah. you get what I'm saying. Like, Luke, like... Obviously, it's in the best discretion for Triller's financial future if Jake Paul can keep winning here. I didn't see a, a Ben Askren who was committed to winning this fight or moving his head or doing anything that would lead you to believe that that this was 100% pure what we saw. I mean, listen, I, 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 you want to make a claim about the world, you have to have evidence for it. And people doing things like, Oh, he was smiling backstage right after. You have no idea why he was smiling. That is not evidence of anything, or at least I should say it's poor evidence of something. That's not not evidence, but it's not. It's hard to know exactly what that means. Um, and unless you have real reason beyond just sort of I'm observing something that seems unusual, even though I have desperately incomplete information, um, you don't really have a re you don't have an evidentiary basis to make that conclusion. More to the point, yes, fight fixing does happen, um, but Freakonomics has written about this. Yes, they, uh, sumo matches, but uh, it turns out are routinely fixed, but they have to hide it because there's penalties for it. You have seen fixed fights. I've seen fixed fights. You just didn't know it. And there's some other ones where you know on the regional scene where guys will throw stuff. But um, here's the point I'm trying to make. It is to your point. It is it is very clear that Ben Askren did not take this seriously. There, he, he was handpicked to me. They got a guy out of retirement who had a hip replacement, who was maybe in terms of the modern UFC, you know, the least capable striker uh, of his era, and then beyond it. And they got him at the worst possible time in his athletic life since he hit puberty. I mean, literally, since that dude had hormones coursing through his veins, this is maybe the worst he's ever been. And so they knew if Jake Paul could get a win over this guy, which would be very doable, that they could sell Jake Paul beats, you know, in this case, former UFC fighter. So is it rigged in that sense that they set it up to be so yeah, overwhelming that Ben much. didn't have Luke, a chance? Yes, they set, Luke, it, they set it up that way. Post vacation BC is here to cut you off and tell you don't soften it too much though. He wasn't he didn't come in there prepared to go six or eight or however I don't know what was it an eight round fight. He wasn't prepared to go yeah, eight so hard rounds and go out on his no. shield and war. Look, no. he wasn't he prepared didn't to train. move his head. Okay, he didn't train, but I don't think he purposely said I'm going to get knocked out. I think he said if it happens, here's here's what I'm prepared to do for this. Basically, not much, close to nothing, and if that's suitable for winning, great. If it's not. I don't care. That's not the same thing okay, as that's the coordinating thing. I get a loss. I get what you're saying, and, and, and this is where you and I differ a lot when we talk conspiracy theories. You need to see the proof. Look, if there was proof, there wouldn't be a conspiracy. It doesn't mean that there's not proof somewhere. But you get my point. Good, I can't come proof. out here and tell good you. Proof. I can't come out here and tell you that you know Pacquiao was definitely on steroids against Thurman. 
Guy looked pretty ridiculous for 41, though, right? So, you know, I get what you're saying here. But the comparison to Kimbo Slice, I thought, was apt from this standpoint if you want to talk about fixing fights. Luke, go back and watch Kimbo Slice versus Bo Cantrell. Tell me that was on the up and up. Uh, Luke, go it's, back it's, and watch Kimbo Slice versus Houston listen, Alexander. You're, you're, you're pointing out, you're, well, the Houston Alexander one I take uh, is fine. Okay. But the Bo Can- Hold on. But to your point, to your point, the Bo Cantrell one, it's not great. It, it, listen, I don't mind people asking questions. I got more I to tell that, you about, though. Hold well, on. Hold, hold your reaction until I also bring up when he got knocked out by Seth Petrozelli, the late replacement for Ken Shamrock. Did Seth, yay or nay, tell the media afterwards that Elite XC offered him money to keep the fight on the feet, Luke. Okay, is that fixing to a certain degree? And Seth pulled that story back about an hour later and acted like it never happened. That did happen, okay? Rock and roll never forgets. Fine. So there's Fine. some element. And final point of fact, Luke, do you remember when Kimbo went up, became a pro boxer after his MMA career yeah, stunted? Yeah, yeah. Before the, get, Why did it end, Luke? Tell me why Kimbo's career ended. Under allegations of fixed fights. So, Luke, yes. again, me telling you that the Askren fight smelt a little bad it, it, there's documented his there's enough documented proof in history luke for me to tell you i think i know what i'm smelling right there all right bro yeah mate listen uh can i affirmatively deny that it is true no because i don't have evidence for that either although that's sort of trying to prove a negative but but to your point listen i think if people triller does outrageous silly stupid frankly irresponsible things if you want to count the de la hoya thing you know the idea that they would jeopardize their license to perhaps coordinate in some kind of way an outcome doesn't seem beyond the pale in the sense of, you know, if there's anyone who could do it, the people with this kind of makeup could. However, however, you just have to understand how the world works. If you believe in something, you are allowed to believe whatever you want. But if you want to make an argument for something happening, you have to have evidence for it. So to your point, BC, you know, is this anything even approximating normal circumstances? No. And I think that leads to a lot of questioning. I just don't think that people are willing to risk committing serious crimes for this, but there's a debate. Fair enough? Luke, when our good friend Al Bernstein looked in the mirror the next morning after this fight card, what do you think he saw, Luke? (laughs) Hopefully he was just looking at that big-ass check he he got. uh, Listen, let me say one thing about Al. Al was the one on that end. Crime faces two to a lesser extent, but all of those guys on that thing... You know, they, I'm not saying their job was easy. Like, you got to be irreverent. That's actually harder than it looks, unless you're naturally kind of kind of crazy. And Al is not. Al is very much a, I mean, Al is a pro's pro. I actually thought Al played it the best of anybody. He had a drink on the air, but he didn't go crazy. He kept his mouth shut when he needed to. He, he gave good insight when called upon. And he served a very valuable, if limited, function. To me, if anyone comes out of Triller looking good, for the most part, it's Al Bernstein. Well played. I agree with you. I just think for the future, and this is something I said, by the way, back when Logan Paul fought KSI and DAZN made it the main event. If we want to do fun, ridiculous celebrity boxing, keep it in its own silo. You can have as many concerts on there as you want. You can talk about coming on the air, whatever you want to do, Luke. But take the real fighters and put them in their own real fight cards. Can these be two separate universes? I don't need Evander Holyfield at 50-something years old fighting an exhibition as the co-main event of Teofimo Lopez defending an actual boxing title. That's me speaking right here, Luke, okay? Why don't you go shave your beard, you motherfucker? Okay, can I say one last thing? And I know we're going to move on. The audience is like, oh, my God, we're 40 minutes into the show. You're still talking Triller. Let me just say this, BC, and I think you might agree with this. Can I tell you how fucking tired I am? of MMA fighters signing up to take L's for paychecks. 
to me, it is, it is <laughs> such an indictment on MMA fighter pay. Where Tension Nascawa, who's primarily a kickboxer but has fought MMA, but he signs up to box Mayweather and gets run over. Connor gets a big paycheck, gets run over. Frank Mirat, to me, took it seriously. Certainly did not embarrass himself in any capacity whatsoever, but lost and it wasn't especially close. And then, of course, you have Ben Askren, who didn't take it seriously. That's fine and was a tremendous athlete in his day, but he got stretched by a YouTuber on Saturday night. Dude, it is, it is a scandal that these guys will... Con- How long is this going to go on? I've been one of these guys, BC... Who was like, oh, each one of these doesn't mean anything. The public won't glean from this that MMA is this or that relative to boxing. But, dude, how, how many of these are there going to be? 10? 20? Is, is Eddie Alvarez going to go there and get knocked out by uh, De La Hoya? I don't know, but um, if it does happen. And then you got Anderson Silva. And Ch- Can you imagine if Anderson Silva gets stretched by Julio Cesar Chavez Jr.? Like, dude, what are we doing? It so is it's a an fucking indictment. joke. It- it's something I teased, a co- I think it was a couple episodes ago before I went on vacation, where it's like Francis Ngannou climbs the freaking mountain. He's the UFC heavyweight champion, and we spend a week publishing stories on MMA websites with quotes from Ngannou saying how badly he wants to box Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua. And, and you know, and same thing with Stipe heading into that fight. It's like these are obvious setups in which you're going to take an L and get sent to hell. But as much as we want to make the memes and make jokes about boxing sucks and ball, it's unorganized. Well, it is, right? It does to a degree. But when MMA is still going to act like the boxing payday is the boss at the end of the video game, and we are going to just drop all elements of shame and Bushido and just go, you know what? This is how I'm going to pay for that vacation house. This is how I'm finally going to get paid. Yeah, you got to turn around and look in your own uh, house here. Uh, we saw a lot of those memes float around ahead of Saturday of the purses that Jake Paul and Ben Askren were making in comparison to the purses that Robert Whitaker and uh, Kelvin Gastelum were making. Yeah, we've got a problem here, okay? We've got a problem here. And uh, I, I wish people were less inclined, as you mentioned. Conor McGregor, at the mountaintop of his celebrity fame, had to go to boxing to make quote-unquote real money and sell his own name. Uh, you, you got an issue here. Until that gets rectified, I don't want to hear how bad boxing sucks because MMA still needs it. Yeah, I'll just say if a Dan Hodge trophy winner, two-time NCAAist, Amer- American Olympian, one champion, Bellator champion, is willing to do that to himself for money he couldn't make in the things he was exceptionally talented in, it is a fucking scandal that it's that way. It is a Look, scandal. Look, you used to have to go to porn that. for that, right? You used to have to go John Bobbitt territory and go, you know, the only way I'm going to cash in after getting my thing cut off is if I go put it out there on a camera and call up Rocco and bend up. No, look, this is this this is fight porn right here. It is. All right. Let's put that don't, to bed. Don't, don't dodge that. It is, no, no. Luke. Say it. It's Affirm fine. It. Let's, let's, can we move on? I have, you know, let's do this. All right. The, before the audience totally stabs us in the face, let's be done with Triller. Let's move on for just a second, if we can, now to UFC. In the main event over the weekend, in topic number three, Kelvin Gastelum loses to Robert Whitaker 50-45 on all three judges' scorecards. Robert Whitaker looked what can only be described as sensational. He saw everything coming, brilliant timing, incredible diversity in the strikes. Hold on. Phenomenal wrestling. Uh, I get to go first in, the, in this chair here, BC, but I'm going to pitch it to you. No, I, w- I want to pitch it back to you, Luke. I want you, you can't. To you, you can pitch it back, but only after I pitch it first. So the question I'm going to ask is, to frame this, we all know he looked amazing. Did he look different enough to you 
to make you think he's going to get the rematch, of course, but that the rematch with Adesanya will go differently. He did. He did, Luke. I think this three-fight win streak, even though I thought for a fighter of his caliber, he should not have had to go this long of a route. I mean, to be Till Cannoneer and now Gastelum to finally get back to the title shot. But I think what we were able to learn about him by doing that, and I think also, Luke, let's not discount what he was able to learn about himself in doing that, right? Not only did he lose by surprising knockout to Adesanya, but he had those outside the cage issues of being, you know, burnt out in, in, in the mental challenges of that. I think he also was able to learn through this three-fight journey that here's the question I'm going to spin back to you, Luke. He's not only back to where he needs to be to be a serious threat to Adesanya, even if we had not seen Israel, by the way, see his brand and his buzz dim down a tiny degree after the lo- because of the loss to Blahowitz, where he is in play right now. Do you think, though, is it a stretch to say that what we've learned about him from these three fights, a smarter, more patient, maybe even more technical Whitaker? He's always been, Luke, one of the most well-rounded elite fighters that we have in this modern era. I don't think he gets the full level of respect he deserves, right? He's an absolute warrior, yet he can go out there like he did against Till and for five rounds play chess and out out chess you. Is he even better now than he was on that initial championship rise? Yeah, I mean, if you were around watching MMA when St. Pierre or, let's say, John Jones, I'll pick those two because Silva came to the UFC Anderson Silva in his early 30s. You could pick Demetrius Johnson here too. What I mean to say is, actually not even him, but if you had like a John Jones who was 21 or whatever St. Pierre was in his early to mid-20s when he got the belt, um, you got to realize that there are some guys who are so good that they can be underdeveloped and still become weight class champions. And so as they become weight class champions, they will still experience phenomenal growth afterwards of course fighters always grow a little bit here or there but yeah if you reach it a championship level like like i'd say a tyron woodley when you were what 36 or so 35 whatever it was sort of a little bit older you know you could you're going to get a little bit better during that time but in general your 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 uh overall athletic potential has been basically realized your technical progression has been basically realized but if you watch John Jones at like what 21 22 when he got the belt, he had a whole he had all of his 20s in front of him to get a little bit better. Well, Robert Whitaker, I'm not going to put him on the level of John Jones or GSP, but what I will say is he's a little bit similar to that. He got the belt early enough where he was good enough to get the belt, but he still had a lot of life left in him. He just needed the catalyst for change, whether that was getting right in the home and then working on some of his craft. I actually feel like if you're a fan of Robert Whitaker, you have to be happy about these last three fights for a lot of reasons. One, he won them all, so he has the rematch. Two, I think he has grown tremendously. He needed to work on the careful game of chess with Till, or maybe the blind, no, I won't call it blind, but the pretty serious aggression of a guy like Cannonier, the resiliency as well. And then the southpaw, 25 minutes with Kelvin Gastelum, you know, that kind of a thing. It's just phenomenal uh, uh, chances to showcase what you've been working on to make sure that the camps have that kind of 
uh, clear purpose to work on any of those issues. To me, he's much more patient. He sees everything coming. And I'll tell you what the big difference was for me in a- a- uh, answering this question. Do I think the rematch could be different? I did a whole video on my personal channel. If you look at the takedown defense of Israel Adesanya when it's actually along the fence line, it's lights out. Most people can't even get close to taking him down. They certainly cannot keep him down when he's along the fence line. He is very, very, very good, including Jan Blachowicz. He couldn't do it either. But it's out in the open if you can get Adesanya coming forward or at the end of a punch. Well, dude, a guy like Robert Whitaker, you saw his wrestling in this one, and you saw how good his timing is. That is a real possibility for him. Obviously, not just wrestling for 25 minutes, BC, but mixing it up. Yes, do I think the rematch will be different? I still think Adesanya is the best middleweight, but I absolutely believe the rematch will be different. Luke, I think this new era of morning combat, uh, you know, maybe maybe fueled by, I mean, look, when you get out in nature, when you get on the Great Smoky Mountains natural, National Park and you shut up, Luke, nature will speak to you. So I want the new era of morning combat to be about truth, Luke, to be even deeper about truth. Um, I think that Jan Blachowicz, the Polish powerhouse, indirectly did MMA fans a huge favor by defeating Adesanya at the time that he did to prevent what might have been, Luke, a rise even past light heavyweight had Adesanya won that fight all the way to heavyweight. We could be talking right now if things had gone differently about Adesanya fighting Stipe for the heavyweight belt for all we know if he had beaten Francis or fighting John Jones next at heavyweight. But because of the way that fight went, now Adesanya's turning back to middleweight and now we are getting the continuation of what could be a very special rivalry between Adesanya and Whitaker. Not just one commercially and regionally because they're two oceanic stars you know, coming forward at the time that that area of the world is just putting out champion after champion and great fighters. But here's the deal, Luke, about being really honest. I don't know this for a fact. We won't know this maybe until the rematch. But I tend to believe the evidence that I've seen from both fighters since they fought the first time, meaning Whitaker and Adesanya, was that maybe Luke Whitaker was not fully Whitaker in that fight. Yes, it turned out to be the coronation, which seemed like it needed to happen because Adesanya was a rising rocket ship taking off. And maybe under any circumstance on that date, he would have beaten Whitaker. But would he have beat, beat him the way he did, as dominant, surprising, and just... You know, damn, I'm the new champion. I just knocked Robert Whitaker out. Maybe in hindsight, Whitaker was compromised by all of those things we mentioned, and he just fought Adesanya at the wrong time. And maybe, Luke, because Adesanya is coming a little bit back down to earth, just as Whitaker is climbing and now reborn, we will see in the rematch the fight that we maybe were supposed to have seen the first time. And maybe, Luke, for our money, it could lead to a trilogy or even more. I don't think it's out of bounds that Whitaker, who I thought rightfully so was favored against Adesanya in the first fight, could not only win this rematch, but have a better chance at doing it than he had the first time around. I think we're going to see three fights between these two of these two fighters. I think the second one's going to be an absolute classic, Luke. They are back where they need to be on an even playing field. They are two of the best middleweights in the history of this sport in terms of at their very peak, what they've been able to put out. I am so excited that in some weird way, Blahowicz kind of gifted us with this fight that we may be... Look, I mean, you could argue, had Adesanya, let's say, not only beaten Jan, but let's say he'd stopped Jan. I don't know if he ever fights at middleweight again. I don't know if we ever right. see this. 
There's still going to be time, by the way, for Izzy to fight John and move up and do big things. But right now, we're going to get gifted with an insanely great fight between two pound-for-pound -pound top 10 guys and two of the best in this division's history. You can do nothing, Luke, but savor the flavor on that shit, all right? I am so excited about what this fight's going to look like, feel like, taste like, that I'm even willing, Luke, to put on multiple COVID masks and get on a plane with you and head on down to CKB and watch it. You get Call up Eugene Barraman, okay? Let's Let's go down and visit our people down under, Luke. Let's take this shit in. This is a stadium fight. It's going to be 100%. great. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Is that all the oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wayne, Brady PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramount Plus. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua, and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter, and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film, and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. 100%. 100% a stadium fight. I hope they find a way. And by the way, I would love for this fight to be in North America. You know, uh, it would be great, you know, obviously to have the treat of that taking place on home soil. But that fight deserves to be either in New Zealand or Australia. Fact. I mean, you've got to put that there. I don't know what the COVID restrictions are to make that happen. I don't know if there are any. I don't know what that would take. But if the UFC can find a way to put that back there, that is, it was a stadium show the first time. It's a stadium show the second time. And, uh, you know, I, I tend to think that Adesanya, um, I, I don't know if he's a bad matchup for, for Whitaker, but I tend to think there are some problems that he's going to pose no matter what. But um, I, I think he needed... I, BC, I'll say this. I don't want any fighter to have difficulty in their lives, but he needed that breakdown to happen. He was getting injured. He didn't have it right in the home. And it was everything was just kind of a mess. He took the loss... And then Reese, he didn't just, oh, I'm going to go back to the gym and I'll come back stronger. He said, no, 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 no. Let me fix things first. Fix the problems foundationally, it appears anyway, and then begin to build off of that and had just the right amount of opponents and the right kinds to prove he belonged uh, again and to work on different pieces of his game, all of which will become valuable uh, against a guy like Adesanya. This is incredibly intriguing. He looked phenomenal. The only thing I'll say, BC, is did you see my interview with him? I think he would have rather had dengue fever while getting his prostate checked than talk to me. <laughs> Luke, I'm not saying I bet 1,000. I've got some swing and a misses in interviews. But, uh, yeah, Luke, uh, you you, did, you were not able to get inside on him. You were not able to make him feel comfortable. Uh, no. Wow. Um, Luke, I will say this, that his need to take that time off and recharge, no different than mine in this past week, Luke. Ready to come back, make this MK brand as strong as it can possibly be. I think in closing here, Luke, Whitaker showed us every single thing against Gastelum that, that is in the arsenal. I think if you're going to beat Izzy at 185, which we haven't seen done, right? Jan relied on size at 205, and he was really smart, by the way, but he relied on size maybe more than anything to win that, along with being smart. I think the best 
kryptonite for what is he does great is a perfect well-rounded machine who can do it all Whitaker showed us against Gastelum he can do everything so this is going to be great and Luke I would be remiss if we went into the Bellator discussion without giving Gastelum a, a, a an update on where he stands because Luke, what do you think what do you think is next for Kelvin he's wildly overrated and underrated and I will admit that I have by accident, become a protector of him. because Was it because I wore that orange pullover in Atlanta front row when I saw the best UFC fight of all time when he fought Israel Adesanya and acted like a champion that night? Maybe, Luke. But he took a hellacious beating for five rounds and did not stop coming and did not stop trying to, to land shots. Luke, he's really damn good. I think certainly he's going to get a big fight off of this because his performance was so great. How, how rare is it for you to come on and try to make a case for somebody fighting great in a completely one-sided fight in which they were dominated in every category? Yet, I don't think Kelvin is nearly as bad as people say. Is he inconsistent? Yes. Has he only been able to show us the very best of him in brief windows, including that Adesanya fight? Yes. But Luke, that version of him was world-class. I think he can get back there. But will it be at middleweight? Do you think he just hasn't fully committed to who he could be at welterweight if he gets in the best shape of his life and cuts down? I mean, have we seen the very best of 170 Gastelum? He's not even no. 30 yet. Is there still time, Luke? Yeah, I think in that sense, have you seen the best of him at welterweight? Absolutely not. I mean, here's the problem with him. And this is true for every fighter uh, at some point, which is you see these moments of greatness, and yet you're a little bit overwhelmed by the moments of 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 loss or you know not doing well um but for me it's like the the t the the scales still tip a little bit too heavily in the favor of limits and errors more than yes there's absolutely in that in that in the lady justice scale in one side there are absolutely world class ability but it's still too heavy to me on one side he hasn't quite ironed out some of those other things so you can see all of this what feels like promise and maybe it is just unactualized promise but i also just can't not see uh he was getting timed and there was one thing i'm going to make a video about it i think i'm going to try he brings he restarts all the time have you noticed this he brings his feet together he bounces up and down and then he re-engages every time he did that he got timed and he did it for almost 25 minutes the times he stopped he had better luck because all Whitaker had to do was just count the bounces and then go. I was like, dude, how are you doing that against a guy like this? Yeah, You can't, you cannot do that against Robert Whitaker. He's going to eat your lunch or take your lunch, but I should say every time. So I'm with you. I think people count out Kelvin Gastelum, but dude, I think you would agree. He still has work to do. He still does. Look, I, I, I'm going to go to my grave telling you that version that showed up against Israel Adesanya was ready to win the championship. I mean, that was that was the best of him. Can he be that again? He does take heavy damage in these fights, but he only gets handled by super elites, Luke. Um, I don't know if he'll ever win a title, but I would like to see him get back to that level one more time, regardless of what weight class it comes in. All right. We go to topic number four here, BC. Uh, on Friday, Bellator 257 took place, and... The three of the four fights for the Bellator 205-pound World Grand Prix are now in the books. Let's start with the biggest of them, Vadim Nemkov, beating Phil Davis. Um, technically, BC, it's Phil Davis's worst loss in Bellator, if you think about it, right? Because the other ones were just split decisions. This one was unanimous. Vadim Nemkov showing a tremendous jab, I thought. Great cardio for the most part, you know, and well-rounded ability in general. Um your takeaway from his win? 
Look, I like this fight. You know, ne never watch a piece of art after hearing somebody give a recommendation. Look, true or false, did you tell me on the phone that this fight kind of snunk? Did you tell me that? Um, It was... <sighs> It was a little boring, a yeah. Yeah, it was a little boring. Underwhelming yeah. expectation. I went yeah. in there. I was in, in, entertained. Was I enthralled? No, but I was entertained for twenty five minutes. It was a a chess match sped up, almost almost full on high speed chess. I love the technical aspect, Luke. My takeaway: Vadim Nemkov's as advertised. He's really freaking good. He's yes. very well rounded. He's got the intangibles you can tell. Meaning he's tough as nails. He's got the speed power combo. He's not going to gas out. But I think even even more what I learned about him in this fight specifically, Luke, is his IQ is there. I mean, this is a championship-level fighter. Uh, crazy to say, right? He's already got the championship. But I'm telling you, there is not a hole in his game. Now, is he in discussion to be the best light heavyweight in the world? I think he's going to have to win this tournament to, to make that claim. But I think he's the betting favorite for a reason. And I think Phil Davis, who, again... Luke, he acted like Phil Davis. What I mean by that is he's only got six pro defeats, right? Three of them by split decision. The other one's close competitive decision losses. He tends to do just barely not enough to get over that hump. And the problem with Phil Davis here was counter-wise, he was on point. In fact, he was countering so well, Luke, that he was really pushing Nemkov's toughness and gas tank to the point that Davis was the guy coming on in the final two rounds, and I think that's why he was able to make the scorecard so close. Yet at the end of the day, I still exited that feeling like maybe Phil Davis could have won that fight, and maybe Phil Davis could have won the other close losses he's had in his career if he was willing to get off first, if he was willing to step on the gas tank, be the aggressor, aggressively go after takedowns, look to land shots. When he countered, he was beautiful with right hands and in and, and a counter jab, and he's Phil Davis is a very smart fighter. But all he provided here, Luke, was really strong fodder and resistance for Nemkov to be able to show us how good he really is. Because I think Davis, at the very least, made him show us that, but wasn't able to get over that hill. Luke, in your eyes, was that more of Nemkov shutting those doors down, or did Phil Davis exit this tournament again leaving that little bit left of eliteness in the cage that could maybe define his career i tend to think he should have, and I, I usually okay 99 times out of 100 if you had asked me this question i would say uh no i thought that even though he lost he did what he was capable of and he did what you know he followed the, more or less the right game plan just you know a couple of loose ends here or there made the difference but with Phil Davis, dude, he's 36 years old, so he's on the wrong side of 30 at this point, 35 even. He's closer to 40 than he is 30. Now, he's still a tremendous athlete, and he does not have a ton of miles on him. As we just indicated, his worst loss in Bellator was this one. And it wasn't like he took a huge beating here. He basically got outpointed. So in that sense, he's still pretty fresh. That's not the same kind of 36 as it would be for other guys. But it's like, dude, how? here's the problem with what Phil Davis does when he fights. Um, if their guys are overmatched, he'll run right through them. He can knock them out or he can submit them. We know he has tremendous wrestling and good submission and passing skills. He actually does have those things. But if the fight is close or if someone's a little bit better, he is risk averse. And I don't blame him for doing that. But if you're 36 and you may not get a title shot again in your career, maybe he will, I don't know. Dude, this was the time. <laughs> this was the time. This was the time. To, to be a little bit less risk-averse, to put it on him, to, I mean, to do more with his wrestling. It's not like Nemkov. I mean, he's careful, but he does get out in front of his skis a little bit. He's a little bit almost risk-hungry. And I thought, 
there would have been a little bit more use of his wrestling. Rashad and I talked about that as well. And just more volume. And again, if the reason why you're losing is because you're both relatively equal, but one has a little bit more offense, dude, that, I mean, it's frustrating. It's frustrating for me to watch a guy as talented as Phil Davis and as experienced at this point as he is. Uh, and then to lose by virtue of reasons where, yes, maybe Nemkov is just a better guy. You see, that's okay. But I would have liked to have seen him be a better guy without a Phil Davis who was reserved with his offense again. That's the part that just drives me crazy. Also, well, I'll say this, what? BC. How many guys have wins in defense of Phil? How many guys have wins over Bader and Phil? Uh, uh, Rumble has, has that. Uh, but, you know, Phil didn't get finished by Rumble either. He's hard to look good against. So yeah, even no if you beat him, so you don't come out you shining. To echo what I said positively about Vadim Nemkov, we've seen a pretty fairly substantial sample size, right? He's beaten four former Bellator champions, right? Bader, McGarry, Davis twice, uh, the other guy as well, Luke. Uh, but is he screaming to you the the full potential of what he could be? At? Are you seeing? The, are you hearing Jimmy like I am when you watch him, Luke? I mean, could he beat? Could he beat a top three UFC light heavyweight in your eyes? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I do think he has limits or at least, you know, problems. And they're getting a slightly less pronounced over time. But like, the, like for example, they were like, oh, his cardio is not great. Cardio looked pretty good to me here. I didn't see any issues with that for the most part. Um, although, again, Phil wasn't exactly pushing him. So there's that. But the, well, the point I would late, make, Luke. Huh? Give the man credit. He pushed him in the final two rounds. Okay, put some respect on Phil's name. A, a little, little bit. bit. I mean, I didn't. I didn't see two rounds for Phil there. I saw one, maybe the fourth. Um, but the point being is, you know, Nemkov's issues are he's a little bit too aggressive, both in terms of how he manages his resource and then, you know, positionally kind of overcommitting sometimes. But he's slowly dialing that back, which means by the time, you know, he is really uh, peaking, that, that kind of thing is going to be even more limited. Um, also, I will say this about the quarterfinals, you know, with Bader kind of hammering Machida. It was like a dominant win, but I was surprised he didn't get the finish. Again, Phil's kind of hard to beat, so you get that. Corey Anderson had a nice win over Yaksha Muradov, but he was the small and kind of overmatched. So I'll say Corey did, like, Corey deserves some praise here because first round took his time, which is fine, right? Second round, let me mix in a little bit more of that wrestling, found what worked. He couldn't get the doubles and the singles, so he'd lock up the single, head outside or whatever, and then go for the trip, pull him off the cage. It was brilliant. And then in the third round said, okay, I've mapped this out. I've figured out where I need to go. Let me just hammer it directly and then polish them off. To me, Corey Anderson is showing maturity. He's showing growth. He's showing strength. He's showing skill, patience, development, all that stuff. But aside from him, with the Bader and then like the Nemkov win, it's like, dude, does anyone want to stand out in this tournament? Because I haven't seen anyone go, I want to plant my flag, fuck everyone, I'm the guy, eat shit. I've seen a lot of guys who are like, I'm going to carefully manage my way through, which I understand that's the, that's, the, that's the incentive structure, which you know explains human behavior. But it does seem to me that there's a little bit missing from these quarterfinal results a little bit here. I agree with you. Now, you know, comparison-wise, let's compare it to the heavyweight Grand Prix we saw. You know... Ryan Bader went for it, but was he also fighting guys who he who had some holes that he filled, and he went for it and he got them out of there? Yes, I think this is speaking certainly to the competitiveness of this tournament, Luke. There are guys in there, Machida and Phil Davis, top of that list, who are hard to look overly great against, are not easy to finish. I mean, nobody uh, nobody's finished Phil Davis, right? So to that point, but yes, I also see a little bit of a safety uh, from the start, and in, in you know. 
it's going to put pressure, I think rightfully so, on the Rumble-Romero matchup to kind of own this tournament or maybe be the announcement of what this tournament could be. You're going to get so many eyes from the sexy standpoint, the two household names, but obviously... You know, of any matchup in this bracket, we have no idea what that fight's going to look like. It could be fireworks throughout. I hope it is fireworks throughout. Uh, that might be the first fight that truly gets the attention, I think, that this tournament deserves. Even though, again, that Nemkov-Davis rematch was a really high-level, technical, you know, decently fun fight to watch. No one has put the flag in there. The only one that's come close to your point is Corey Anderson. And Luke, when we sat down at that really nice table at that Jersey City restaurant to do the Road to Bellator preview, which you can still watch if you'd want to on YouTube and give us some clicks, and very well produced by the folks at Showtime. We said, look, we're looking for a dark horse, right? It's easy to pick Nemkov as the favorite. It's easy to say that Rumble or Romero could come out and just be that lightning rod that just cuts through everybody. It's also easy to say, because we've seen it before, that Ryan Bader could run the table and win this. Who is going to be the dark horse? You and I looked at both Corey Anderson and Phil Davis as potentials. I think Corey Anderson showed you that against Davlet Don Yagshamuradov. That, um, Luke, when I did the mock bracket for CBS Sports, I ended up with him in the final. He's going to beat Ryan Bader. I, I can see mm. the future. I'm telling you that right now. I think he's going to be a live dog against Vadim Nemkov as well. Corey Anderson is retooled, hungry, ready. Now, look, he got full mount twice against Yag Shemuradov. Is that an indictment on good old Dovlet Don Luke? You can, you know, you can argue that. Um, Dovlet's John Yag Shemuradov. But I did see a guy hungry going for the finish. I think Corey Anderson has at the very least announced that he is sort of the live dog of this tournament. It's He he could win it. It is not out of play. I think it's going to be him and Nemkov in the final, Luke, and I, I think that would be a hell of a matchup. Obviously, if Rumble or Romero or Bader crash that party, we're going to be happy just the same. But uh, very uh, interesting start of the tournament. Not overly sexy, not overly headline-providing, pr but it is setting the stage for... Uh, there are enough elite names still standing where I think you're going to see some really good fights. And also, we haven't had Rumble Romero yet, you know, so we'll see how that goes on May 7th. That'll be the last event winner of that fights, Vadim Nemkov. So either way, Nemkov has to fight Romero or Rumble. It's going to be pretty interesting. The last thing I'll say is I thought um, Paul Daly versus Sabaho Masi was fucking awesome Woo! to start that card. That was such a fun fight. You knew it would be. So, because Hamasi brings it, and you know Paul Daly being Michael Venom Page fight notwithstanding, you know, he usually comes to bang. And I got to say, you know, he took a hard shot, a really hard shot for him to come back from that and then win via stoppage. Dude, this guy's got 60-plus fights just in MMA, kickboxing fights. God only knows how many rounds of sparring. For him to take a shot and come back, that is grown man shit. What a phenomenal performance from, yeah, look, you know... An aging guy, BC, but Paul Daly can still get it done. Wasn't it on the anniversary or close to the anniversary of, of what a lot of people believe is the greatest round in MMA history when he yes. fought Nick Diaz under the Strike Force banner? So you got sort of a poor man's version of that. But I think the coolest part was, you know, Paul Daly might have retired had he been stopped in this fight right here. And he showed you so much heart and, and that, you know, the left hook from hell and the power to come back. I'm wondering, Luke, if. Paul Daly MVP two isn't the fight to make. The first one, uh, to be really honest here and be politically correct, suck the horn, Luke. Uh, maybe the rematch is still the fight to make to produce the next welterweight title challenger after Yaroslav Amoslav, who's going to be in there again. Yaroslav, <laughs> I'm one too. Who's going to be in there against uh, Doug Lima coming up? Just recently announced for June, but uh, I I'll see that again, Luke. 
It can't be uh, that bad twice, can a- it? Emisov might win that. I mean, if anyone thinks Douglas Lima is going to walk in there and just to get a title uh, fight and just you know breeze on through it, you are very mistaken. Emisov easily could win that contest. So the card itself, uh, you had the Corey Anderson fight co-main. You had the main event there um, with with Phil and Vadim. It was what it was. The 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 fight on not not quite yeah not quite yet on the Showtime boxing. And then you had the opening fight between Phil Davis and Sabah Homasi. The thing I'll say though is that Vito Ortega and Des- a Reagan Nez fight. This is my personal opinion, you know, and I know Bellator airs on Showtime, but I don't work for Bellator. I don't know why that fight was on the main card, BC. I really don't. Here's my argument. Listen, if you're Bellator or one or PFL or anybody, you have to give a reason to MMA fans to give you a try. We've talked about this before because the UFC right now is firing on all cylinders. If you just want to be an MMA fan and your whole universe is UFC, I don't recommend that. I think that there's lots of great MMA in lots of places, but let's say you wanted to just do that. You could. You could get a ton out of the experience doing it that way. So you got to force people to turn their head and look at you, which means to me, entertainment and like just really fun Action fights needs to be what you do, like the Paul Daly Sabaho Masi fight. So listen, they had the Vito Ortega and Yanez fight on the main card, BC, and I don't really agree with that. I think what the I think why they did that, and I don't know for sure, was because Vito Ortega, if she won that, was might get a title shot in her relevant weight class. But it's like, dude, do people need to know her journey once she gets a title shot? I don't think it really matters. Instead, they should have put the J.J. Wilson versus Pedro Carvalho fight because J.J. Wilson, one of these guys undefeated out of New Zealand, a, a good, smart kid. He can fight his ass off. He is action-oriented. Pedro Carvalho, yeah, he got dusted by Pitbull, but he's a good fighter as well. That fight was very good. Put put something like that on the main card. Make folks, when they turn off Bellator, when it's done, go, dude, those fights were they were amazing. I don't need to see the buildup to a flyweight women's title shot in Bellator. What I need to see is fights I remember. That's the ticket. Yeah, unfortunately, that Ortega fight did not scream elite mixed martial arts, despite the ranking involved there. Did you like her tattoo assembly, Luke? I know we'll get to that and have you seen this shit with others' tats, because that's what you do, right? Critically assess ink. Uh, there was a lot of ink on that lady. I, ha- I didn't see any up close, so I'd have to take a look, but uh, I'm happy okay, to do that. Okay, that's a very Switzerland-like take, but that's fine. Hey, shout-out to Rich Chow, the longtime Bellator matchmaker who just announced a new role uh, elsewhere, Luke. I was wondering if you were auditioning for his role with that take there. I did agree with your take completely. Uh, no, not auditioning for the role. I'm just trying to say, man, it's like, dude, we don't, you don't need to borrow the UFC's architecture of like, we got to make sure we air certain contenders in certain spots. So that everyone's dude, you have belts or you have flexibility put on memorable fun fights and the rest will fall into place. I assure you. Okay. That's yeah. it. Uh, last topic we see for our top five here before we get to DMS from donks, we kind of covered this last week. So really this is just a, almost like a BC exclusive, but the Showtime boxing calendar came out last week and there was a ton of stuff on it you can see the picture there tank davis uh, is gonna have a fight let's see who else is gonna have a fight a million the tarlow brothers uh there's gonna be a rigandale fight which by the way that might be the the, the gold star of among them all your reaction to the showtime announcement what do you like what stands out to you yeah, I really like it, Luke. I mean, it's it, it's it's the word I'll just use to describe it is strong. It's it's strong. Uh, we've been waiting uh, for for 
you know, PBC on Showtime to, to sort of have one of these announcements and, and find out what's next. It seemed like we've been sort of sitting around what's going to be coming on the calendar. Uh, here's what you should focus on the most out of these matchups. We've harped a lot, Luke, about how um, Showtime has done a good job in the PBC family of sort of identifying certain weight classes that they are almost, you know, the uh, the, the the owners of, that they're going to showcase 122 pounds, whether you call it Super Bantamweight or Junior Featherweight, has been one of those. And you're going to see that with that May 15th main event when Luis Neri, the hard-hitting Mexican slugger that we love to see, going in there against Brandon Figueroa, Luke, who, like his older brother, Omar, they just come to a brawl, Luke. I mean, they just bring in all-action, high-volume style not only is that title fight going to be a great one in terms of can't-miss action, but it's going to tell us a lot about the larger title picture in the division and has the connective tissue with the final fight on that announcement, which does come September 11th when Stephen Fulton Jr., Luke, who we just saw win a 122-pound title on Showtime, is scheduled to fight the winner of that. So you're, you've are you got a division that's strong. There's a lot of you know U.S.-based guys there and a lot of fun names, and now we're going to match them together. That's fun to see. Obviously, Luke, you don't go any further than June 26th, the pay-per-view. I got to say this. Look, I, I'm not telling you you need to love Gervonta Tank Davis uh, in every category, right? We, we've rightfully sort of called out some of his uh, outside-the-ring discretions that have added up and not been great. He does deliver inside the ring, and whether or not Mario Barrios, the 140-pound title holder, is a household name in your household, I got to give Tank respect for this, Luke. He owns titles at 130 and a secondary one at 135. This is his him moving up to 140 against a guy who's over six feet tall in Mario Barrios with long arms, with an all-action style, a big puncher. This is not an easy fight for Tank Davis, who is small. We've called him the, you know, the Mike Tyson of the lower weight classes because of his intention to go in there and knock you out. I think Tank is a much better boxer than he's had to show up to this point, but it will be very interesting when he gets in there with Barrios if he's got a box more than punch if his power doesn't carry to that same level. This is a very interesting fight. I love the co-main of Erickson Lubin versus Banana Jason Rosario, which is a very key sort of 154-pound uh, title eliminator bout to produce and you know who's next in line for one of those belts so that's looking strong and then Luke the other one I'll circle along with the Rigando Jean Riel Casimiro fight which uh, style contrast wise for that bantamweight title is great August mm-hmm. 14th how pumped are you Luke to close on this July 17th when Jermel Charlo who knocked out Banana Rosario to unify he's got three or four junior middleweight belts 154 super welterweight He's going to take on Brian Castaño, the fun all-action fighter who has the fourth title. Luke, we love in boxing when they get things right, when we get one name, one champion, one division, right? No 18 belts across the board. The winner of this is going to be the undisputed champion at 154. This could be a very fun matchup. I think you and I need to be there. I think we need to be front row for this one, Luke. Yeah. This is going to be fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I would love to be there for that one. I'll tell you one more that you didn't uh, go over too much, but it uh, kind of has my uh, my interest, is that Benavidez-Uzkategi fight, and I'll tell you why. We were there when Benavidez, we interviewed him. We actually had the first interview. We were covering the weigh-ins. It was one of the very first show. I think it was like the first Showtime fight when the after the pandemic had started and they figured everything out at Mohegan in the fight sphere. And he missed weight and he lost his belt on the scales. And that that really derailed him in the weight class from all the talk about the plants and the Billy Joe Saunders and the Canellos, big names who he could fight and whatnot. 
BC, here's my feeling. He had to get right. He had another win after that. This will be the third one, basically. Well, two after that one that we saw, but three if you want to count all of them. This is my point. If he goes in there and shines against Uzkategi, I think that's going to be one of the final big hurdles to not necessarily get him the Canelo fight after that, but I think that's going to be the fight that re-puts him back into that conversation where you're thinking to yourself, okay, what are some realistic possibilities for Canelo, for Plant, or whatever? I think Benavidez is going to be a much bigger part of that conversation if and when he beats Uzkategi. I agree. And Uskateki, by the way, is, is is no soft touch. A former title holder, a very tough out. A guy who, despite losing his title to Caleb Plant, uh, hurt Plant late and really was a uh, you know was in that fight. So uh Look, we know that Canelo's got that division 168 on lockdown. He's going to fight Billy Joe Saunders to try to get his third title in May. I hope he fights Caleb Plant for the fourth belt later this fall, Luke. But if that doesn't happen, Benavidez is not out of play for Canelo or Caleb Plant, in which they have a sort of heated long-term rivalry there from a beef back in the day at a gym. So uh, good things to come in the future at 168. Very happy Showtime putting a very strong foot forward here, Luke. Uh, all right, that is enough for our top five, BC. It's now time when the audience gets to ask us questions. It is time for DMs from Donks. All right, let's go first here from rgo.mitra94, I guess. Whose run of wins following a title loss do you find more impressive? Nganu post Miocic won or Whitaker post Adesanya? Well, I'll say this, BC. Wow. It's a great question. I'll say this. Nganu's resume, if you're just looking at the names and then uh, like the method of victory, like he knocked out Cain Velasquez, he knocked out Rosenstrike, that's better. But honestly, I'm more impressed in the totality of fighting by what Whitaker has done. Yeah, I think that's a fair take. Uh, it's hard to know. I mean, Velasquez lost so quickly, injured his knee, got hit hard with a punch that dropped him. We didn't really know if he was going to be back. I mean, he, he disappeared again and retired after that and went to pro wrestling. And look, I got nothing bad to say about Kane. We don't know if he was washed in that spot. JDS was on the other side for sure in that spot. What Robert Whitaker has had to do in three very competitive and tough fights, all three had the feel of title eliminators, right? Those were like, you know, you need to pass this test and it's going to test you no matter how good you are. I'm going to give the nod to the ghost, but no disrespect to what Nganu has done. You put him in front of him, Luke, he's going he's gonna to crush you. Are you watching the uh, Nganu body shot challenge that's going on social media lately, Luke? Yeah, dude. It's... Uh... <laughs> He's a he's a formidable man. He's a yeah, he's, formidable his, his body man. Is a, is a is a wonderland, Luke. It's its own nation. It's it's wow. You know you know what's weird is seeing the um. You know he bought Brett Okamoto's house in Las Vegas, right? Which is just weird. Did he? Like, yeah, he did. And Brett sometimes will be like, "Yeah, dude, uh, Francis called me and said there's more old mail I have to come pick up." And uh, it's just weird uh, seeing the UFC cameras in there for the pre-fight stuff. I'm like, I've been there, bro. I had I had beers and pizza on this couch. Yeah, all right. Uh, not that guy. I mean, did he sell them the furniture? I don't think that happened, Luke, okay. but you know, there All could right. be remnants of the old BO lingering around. You never know. By the way, I did ask, uh, when I interviewed Francis for morning combat, I, I tested his ability, Luke, to be funny when I said, Hey, I, you know, you're, you're living in BO's old house. You ever find any old school nudie mags left in the closet? Francis did not like that question. Luke, we had, no. I had Mikey edit it out afterwards. It was all, it was awkward. He didn't, you know, he didn't get yeah, it. Didn't. It was like me talking to Robert Whitaker. I was like, Hey Robert, how are you doing? And he was like, I'd rather be stabbed in the eyes than talk to you. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. 
yeah, that's yeah, great. pretty much, yeah. Yeah. All right, from at Naluka, I think. Where does the Jeremy Stevens shove, talking about with Drakkar Close uh, at the weigh-ins, rank among the dumbest and weirdest reasons a fight has been called off? It's up there, BC. It's up there with Kevin Randleman hitting his head on a pipe. That, and that's always the reference, by the way, Randleman, and rightfully so. It's not that bizarre, how bizarre, uh, how bizarre, but, uh, you know, you want to know the rest? Hey, by the rights. Uh, all right. From Liam O'Brien. How is it that Semtex Daily is this deep into his career and able to put on a fight of the year contender? The man is a marvel. Dude, some of these guys, you know what's amazing? Like a guy like Overeem and Semtex, you know, neither of them became UFC champions. Although certainly, um, you know, uh, a guy like Overeem having belts in Force and K1 and being the first to do that is pretty goddamn special. But okay, neither, neither were uh, UFC champs. And yet, dude, they're just built for war. They're just fucking built. Some guys, are, they, just, they can do this in ways that other guys who maybe even had higher peaks can't. Yeah, the short answer is because he's got balls, Luke. You know, I mean, he's a special kind of warrior. But, Luke, do you think there's a genetic element? I say that, you know, respectfully because, like, Sherpas, right, who grew up in the mountains of Nepal and now their full-time job is hiking guides on Everest. They have a different lung capacity to be able to handle that. There are people who have always said where Julio Cesar Chavez Sr.'s from in the mountains of Mexico was able to produce biologically a body that could, you know, had double the lung capacity or, you know, whatever, right, to be able to, go longer distances and fight. I mean, Secretariat Luke, when they did the autopsy afterwards, they said he had a heart, what, three times the size of an average horse. Are people predisclosed to be able to take more punishment than others? Or is their body just delaying the effects of the, you know, CTE and the... Like, look, like Chuck Liddell was still willing to brawl when his body made him stop, Right. Not, some guys, they don't show it. An Overeem, a, a Shogun Hua, they're still, for right or wrong, going to go out there and get into wars in their 40s. Um, is it going to show up later, or are they just... Is this why some dudes like you, Luke, can claim, well, i got to drink 54 beers before I feel a buzz, which is one of the more bullshit things you have ever said. Luke, you're my friend. I didn't say 54 I was there beers. When you, when you almost died at Bacchus Hospital in Norwich, Connecticut, and I would have mourned all over your grave, Luke. Not pissed on it by any means. Um, but Luke, when you claimed that you could dunk in high school, which I still don't believe at I mean, all, that's just that, right? I mean, that's just incontestably true. But okay, uh, that mixed with the I need whatever sword you pulled, I need forty eight beers to feel about. Like Luke, fuck you, bro. Right? <laughs> I mean, you can like these facts. Or you can hate these facts. I don't think it's 48, but honestly, could I drink 24 beers and probably drive home? Yeah, I think I could probably get, do that, Luke, Get out of here. Okay, maybe <laughs> what you're trying to say is that in your prime, you were a diesel man. You were a tough guy. Maybe you had a drinking problem and you could put it down. That's fine, Luke. You are so far removed from that yeah, that's person. true. So don't that's try to true. act like you well, come out of here's retirement. Here's the thing. I here, asked right? my, my, my wife's uncle is a gastroenterologist and a surgeon in Colombia, and I asked him, if I drink alcohol, will that inflame my gallbladder? And he said no. He said no, it actually would not. Now, if you have fat in the drink in some kind of way, depending on what you're drinking, that could do it. Uh, so like if you're having, I don't know, daiquiris or some shit like that or whatever, uh, pina coladas, that might be able to do it. But just the, the raw alcohol, no, it would not. I mean, there's other bad effects. So my point being is 
There is a chance we can test this theory. See how many it takes. Here's the question, right? How many beers would it take for me to fail a field sobriety test? That's basically what you're asking, right? I mean, don't ask me. I get white girl drunk off of two of them, Luke. Okay, so, uh, I mean. White Claw BC. Um, yeah, I think it would be probably around a case of beer, and I do mean that sincerely. Uh, yeah. uh, I can drink time, I can drink six or eight Miller Lights and literally feel nothing. Not a thing. Yeah. Nothing. I like to put that to the test sometime on room service diaries, but let's move on. Luke, you have a doctor's appointment, and I got a lot of shit to show the people. Okay, All right, here we go. The real Kay Carter. The Triller pay-per-view was a disaster, but was the biggest mistake they made not running a single promo on what Triller actually is slash the benefit it offers to the end user. I said this at the beginning of the show, dude. They didn't advertise their fucking app, which is the basis of the company one time. Yeah, I don't get it, Luke. I don't get it. I mean, can they coexist without Tyson? Didn't they need don't they need Tyson to really work? Why was the broadcast so different the first time compared to the second, Luke? Uh again, dude, they're like, oh, we got all this praise from the first one. Let's do that, but way too much of it. And they're, that, then you got what you got. Um, dude, this is a company. The Triller app itself, I've taken a look at it. It's mildly interesting. It's not a bad app by any stretch. But you just wonder how it can actually compete with its rivals in that marketplace. And then when you see them, like, dude, they, I'm telling you, they they lost a shit ton of money on that show. Uh, someone from Triller had told Kevin Ioli, someone behind the scenes, that the production of the show was in the tens of millions. I mean, even if you grant that they made twenty million on pay-per-views, but which, by the way, they have to split that into, into different forms of payouts. There's no chance they even broke even on that show. That is impossible. So as long as they're willing to lose money, they can keep these shows up. But I think eventually they're going to get tired of it. Uh, at Scotty fourteen Y, Luke, you promised us a really embarrassing story when your personal YouTube channel hit 100k subs. Will you tell that story? Well, this person, characteristically BC, doesn't get the details right. The details are when I hit 200K subs, not 100K. It was 200K subs. And yes, I will tell the story. I have put one story aside that I'm just going to wait and put in that box until it's sealed. I'm not really posting to my channel very often these days, which I need to fix. But BC, I have one story. And whether I tell it on this place or the other, you're going to want to hear it. It's it, Your boy does not come out looking too great. Yeah, I'm going to be front row for that. Luke, how quickly can this brand get to 100K? Not Soon. your personal channel. No one no one follows that anymore. The Morning Combat. The Just for that, I'm going to start putting up a Sunday podcast to piss you off. Um, I, pretty quickly. I, I mean, listen, we're kind of, you know, we need to be on the road a little bit more. I think if we do that, this, the you know, either we're at Jersey City or where the fights are at. I think if we did that, the, the, the value goes up, but... Um, we'll get there here in a few months. I'm I'm pretty confident. So it'll happen. All right. All right. Time for your shit. All right. This is what we do. We took a week off, so I got an extra sweet double dose. The, we you know, we scoured the globe for the highs and lows, the good and the bad, the ugly, the in-between. From combat sports and beyond, we call it. Have you seen this shit? Have you seen this shit? <laughs> All right, Luke, we mentioned the shove heard around the world between Jeremy Stevens and Jerkar Close, which called off the fight due to what? A, was it a spinal injury to Close? I don't know. Here's a replay of it. Uh, some Canadian tweeted it out. Here's the, uh, yeah, that was, uh, 
I liked it though, Luke. I liked it. I like a little. Am I wrong for for feeling like I don't care fully? I don't have full investment in a fight until I see this type of barbaric pro wrestling stuff. I love it, Luke. Yeah, I don't care. I mean, they have they have this event called the ceremonial weigh-in, in which no one's actually weighing in. It's a commercial for the show. If you don't come out with that BDE and look to like sell your fight, what are you doing? I'm I, I'm not here for handshakes, Luke. You know. You're here for that tip-to-tip action. All right, I guess you're out of this segment already. Let's keep it moving. Also at UFC Fight Night Vegas this weekend, Luke, did you see flyweights Tracy Cortez and Justine Kish put on a fun little fight, high-paced, back and forth. Nobody shit their pants in the cage. It was a fun little fight. Agree? Yes. Hold on. I need the producers to uh, put the uh, camera just on you if they can for just a second because i got to plug this shit in. Sorry. I'm having malfunctions live on air. Sorry, right, Luke. It's only a live segment that we've prepared all <laughs> Sorry, weekend I for. I can't, Fine, you know. BC, I can't see the screen, so I have to do it. I have to do it. All right, Luke. The whole the story here is that these two ladies fought really aggressively and fast and hard, but nobody was watching because Jake Paul was fighting. But uh, I enjoyed the fight, Luke. Transitioning, Luke. Uh, do you know a lot about Tracy Cortez? Did you see her tats, Luke? Can we zoom in on here, Gaff? Luke, check out this tat on her shoulder. Rate that tat. I don't know if you can see it, but... It's her late brother who fought and battled cancer and lost, but it's a picture of him while he went through his battle. He often wore that UFC shirt right there. You got a sunset in the background and an ocean. I am putting you on the Mr. Hebos challenge here. Say something bad about this, Tat. You can't. Uh, I'm trying to see it. I can't. My screen is blocked. <laughs> good, good answer. Good answer. Also, I'm, try- I'm literally trying. On the inside of her left forearm, if we can advance the slide, ah. she also has one of, of her late mother, who unfortunately also lost a battle with cancer. Luke, I'm in for this type of tribute, all right? Uh, I'm. I, you know what? I can see the one on the forearm. Um, it looks like there might be sufficient detail. I wonder if how when she got it. It looks a little bit like the colors have faded, but you can you can touch those up. And Can't the you face just say that's really nice. I'm happy she honored her family. Like you asked that. me about the tattoo. You didn't ask me about the tattoo sentiment. Two different questions. Listen, if I buy you a Maserati to drive your family in and you had no way to get a car, that'd be one thing. If I bought a, you know, a Pinto and gave it to you, the sentiment is still nice either way. These are not equivalent vehicles. You should probably follow her on IG. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's fair, Luke. Let's keep it rolling here. Also at UFC Vegas, strawweight Lupita Godinez. Luke, she manhandled Jessica Penne in a pair of slams despite coming up empty in a split decision loss. Here's the first one, Luke. Now let's advance to the second one. She's tossing her around like old pancakes, Luke. Jesus. She is strong as fuck. Yes. Did you agree with this decision, and do you like Penne's comeback? Um, I thought the decision was a little bit sketchy. I mean, the problem is I just don't agree with the current scoring criteria, where, like, if you have the back and you don't do anything with it, oh, it doesn't count. But to me, that's bullshit. Like, if I get to your back, I have altered the circumstances in such a way where you're not even capable of launching for the most part, for the most part meaningful offense i think that needs to count more than oh you got to the back you didn't do anything with it but that's not necessarily how fights are scored so i don't mind jessica winning but i can understand folks who are like strict adherence to the to the rules 
Maybe we should implement uh, Aaron Bronstetter's free healthcare for all half point scoring system, Luke. I don't like the half point idea. To me, it's a, you're asking for problems. He, he loves it. God bless him. Luke, not for me. I love Aaron Bronstetter. I'm not here to say anything bad about him. But did you believe him when he said he was an athlete in high school? He said he played sports, like okay. recreationally. Prove it. Prove it. Show it. Prove it. Okay. All right. Thank you. Uh, right. Let's move on here, Luke. The zone boxing from Hollywood, Florida. Check out this beautiful uppercut that Demetrius Andre landed on Liam Williams. I'll get a little bit more into this fight in the odds and ends later, but your thoughts on this, Luke? Yeah, Andre keeps beating guys he can easily beat. Uh, boy, he gave him the whole fuck. I mean, look at him just leaning into that shit. Good That's Lord. That's a beautiful shot. Shout out to that fellow. I mean, that, wow. came, that came from behind the waist. Good Lord. Yes, yes. Uh, Luke, also on this DAZN undercard from Hollywood, Florida, 18 to 1 favorite heavyweight Mahamudrol Majidov, Luke, a three time <laughs> amateur world champion from Azerbaijan. Luke, he got sent to hell by Andre Fedosov, who was off for three years. He'd retired from the sport. He's back. He's back with a bang, Luke. From what country? Uh, Majidov's from uh, Azerbaijan, Fedosov's from Russia. Were they pre-disclosed? Yeah. What? What? The? What are you talking about? <laughs> Nothing. You just you called it Azerbaijan. It's Azerbaijan, and then you use the word pre-disclosed like totally wrong. That's okay. I don't think I said pre-disclosed, Luke. Earlier you did, not just now. I'm of Lithuanian descent, at least half, and that was formerly under the Russian flag. What's the capital of Lithuania? Conus, uh, right? Probably, yeah. All right, Luke, let's keep it going. Uh, DAZN, weigh in on Friday. Your thoughts on Eddie Hearn's fashion statement here. He always wears ridiculous shit, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, he does. The guy's out here wearing fractals and, you know. Luke, have you met him? Do you know he's like a legit 6'7"? People don't know that. Yeah, he's huge. He's huge. He's a giant, giant man. Uh, Yeah, he just dresses like, you know, like he's on TikTok and he's, you know, a 50-year-old man. But otherwise, he's fine. I think he's like 38. I think I, you know, I've been arguing this for years. I think we could hang with him, Luke. I think I know, you know, he's probably got money. He's British. He's, you know, yeah. I think he, we could hang with him. I think he's cooler than you think, Luke. I've had him on my show. You know, he's about like all promoters are friendly for the most part, willing to sell a product to the nth degree. A little bit shady, but otherwise, fun chat. All right. Hey, let's go on to LFA 104 over the weekend, Luke. Roland Dunlap landed a hell of a slam, Luke. Let the boys be boys indeed. Wow. That that looked like the uh, Frank Shamrock Igor Zinoviev slam, the famous one. Yes. Yes, that was... uh, Just like it. Brutal deluxe. Yikes. That is... It looked like that other LFA slam from that dude, you know, the former UFC guy. The big guy, you know what I'm talking Gerald about. Gerald Harris? Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. All right, Luke, let's go to regional combat sports because, Luke, you know anything can happen. Check out the start of this amateur MMA fight. <laughs> oh, God. This is what Ben Askren should have done. I'm, uh, you know, uh, this is what fueled my take that he didn't try to win, Luke. He should have just mucked that fight up, right? Wrestled, kneed in the clinch, just did. Cra- he went in there to get laid out like this guy, Luke. This no, if he, ridiculous. I think if he had used any kind, if he'd been disqualified for using weapons that were from uh, other combat sports. 
I don't I don't know that he would have I mean he would have received received his contractual pay but there would have been some kind of disqualifying issue for for payment as well. Yeah, but he um, should have tried to make it a tough man fight, right? Just went in there and just like helicopter bit, punches, yeah. muck it up. Yeah, all yeah, right. He, Look, there was one time to, he got on the inside, but then he didn't really do much with it. Let's go to the regional boxing scene, Luke. Anything can happen here. Check out this finish. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you can get a souvenir if you're in the front row there, Luke. What? By the way, did you see Mike Bone? Mike Boner? They put him in like the front row on the apron down there at the Georgia Dome, Luke. I know. He was the only uh, journalist sufficiently willing to debase himself enough to go to that shit. Um, yeah, yeah. Probably got COVID. Uh, how, how about Bronstetter telling that story on the air about Boner meeting some chick on the plane and hooking up? Yeah. This guy a real man? We didn't know it coming Well, in. dude, I, I, there's some other Mike Bond stories of him hooking up with some hot chicks. And you can't believe it because he sounds and looks like Kermit the Frog, but uh, somehow he makes it work. I like Mike Bone. He's a good dude. All right? <laughs> I, like, I actually like Mike Bone, uh, Mike Bond a lot. I've had him on my show a million times, but I also like making fun of him. So there you go. All right. Let's go over to Thai boxing. Speaking of guys leaving the ring, Luke, check this out. Uh-oh. Oh. God. Get out Jesus of here. Christ. That's like wow. that Amazon overnight delivery, bitch. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Next, yeah, that's that's some brutal How? shit. All right. Hey, Luke, do you hear about Conor McGregor's Proper 12 as a new spinoff fertility business? <laughs> <It's called laughs> the name of it is on the, the pads there behind him, Luke. Shout out to James Gallagher. That's our guy, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it once was, and then you aired this joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did come off camera and be like, bro, what are you trying to get my ass kicked by my girl? Yeah, what the yeah, fuck are you guys great. doing asking about how many, you know, how much trim I'm running through? Yeah, all right. Hey, Luke, Ben Askren has taken a few L's now in his combat career, so how about we reimagine his flying knee loss to mini Masvidal? <laughs> That's funny. Luke, I have, I've watched this 4,000 times. I can't get enough of it. I can tell because it's only marginally funny, but if you have brain damage, you might think it's very funny. Luke, isn't it reminiscent of the old ice hockey game on Nintendo 8-Bit where you could pick the small, medium, or large players to round out your four-man team? I've never played. All right. Hey, it was great doing this segment with you. Uh, let's keep going here. Uh, Luke, let's play what's this submission called. It's Ibrahim Ashkabov from uh, this ACA. Is, yeah, this is a buggy choke. Luke, this is some uh, killer stuff right here. Yeah, it's a way. It's a basically. It's like a sort of like a. I mean, it's a senkaku, which is to say, it's a it's a triangle of some kind. But you get it when the person is in um, side control. It's very hard to do. It's low percentage, but you can get it. He got it. He got it indeed. Wow, well done. Bop, All right, Luke. Done. It's it's a tip on tip time. Let's start down under with our rugby bros. What are your thoughts on this advertisement? Bring a friend to the footy. Fill the fortress, Luke. Bring a friend and touch tips. I like. I can get behind that. So shout out to the Rebels or whatever team that is, Luke. Uh, how about this friendly fire tip to tip? It is uh, outdoor cookout season. Are they? Are they white? I can't. Oh, oh, oh God. Yeah. Woo. Well, they're white now, Luke, because the fire. <laughs> the fire. Uh, wow. Yeah. Woo. 
just the that dumbest is, motherfuckers uh, on. This is this is Triller's targeted demo. I tweeted that I their targeted demo were the loudest, stupidest teens at the mall food court. It's they're basically like this. Yeah, pretty much. But the tip to tip don't end there, Luke. We're going mid-air tip touching here. Check out this helicopter. I believe it's refueling, but it yes. kind of looks consummation, Luke. Yeah, they gotta get this whole process right. You know that the guys who invented this were male engineers. Yes, definitely. Look, does that turn you on at all? No? no, no, it doesn't turn me on at all, no. All right, all right. Luke, I'll give you one guess. Name this legendary MMA announcer who's still training at 56. MMA announcer? Yeah. That's not, I mean, I, I can't see it that well. That's not, that's not Rogan, is it? No, no. Oh, is that Goldberg? It is Mike Goldberg. Let's advance this film. This is him in 2017 with Josh Thompson on the pads. Luke, he's got it, right? Sure. Look at that. Look at that form and technique. I like that. Yeah. No, nothing. Huh? No. Virtually identical. Yes. All right. Okay. Let's keep it rolling here, Luke. Many of us know you received your miracle medicinal marijuana card in dc to help sleep at night let's fast forward six months here's luke after enjoying this uh a little bit too much here i wish that was me luke, Good, check out that this. spliff right there I mean, right this guy wow. is i mean what is he trying to send a signal to someone else far away with this <laughs> what in the fuck dude wow. that's amazing if you if you if you stand next to him you can actually get a contact high and COVID at the same time. Yes. Yeah, this was Ray Flores trying to hook Al Bernstein up during the Triller broadcast, I think. This is great, right? Boy, look at him just Woo. getting that canoe firing, bro. God yeah, damn. That, some of that purple Urkel. Yeah, all right here, Luke. Let's keep this going. Here's the majority of MMA fans and, and fighters doing their best to slow the curve, Luke. <laughs> that's South Florida in one meme. Actually, Luke, I was in Tennessee the week last week that they changed the laws. By the end of the week, Luke, nobody had a mask on. Nobody, yeah. bro. Nobody. Yeah, people have been pretending the pandemic is over for a while. Uh, it's funny. Yeah. I can't wait to get it. I'm getting the second shot tomorrow. I'm sized. I get mine on Saturday, Luke. I'm afraid I'm going to sleep through UFC 261, but we'll see what happens. All right. Nah, you'll be all right. Uh, Luke, Bellator 256 a little bit more than a week ago. How about this knockout? The very sneaky Ooh. Diana Avsaragova sending Tara Graf to hell. Did you like this, Luke? Yeah, dude. She had, She looked pretty good, actually. Uh, I mean, as a fighter. Um, <laughs> watch, 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 watch. Watch. Slips off. Bang. That is a Ooh. nice shot. That's well timed. That she she wasn't took her head off the center line. Followed up immediately. Oh, that was brilliant. She can hit hard. Would, Luke, would you call that bang on? For sure, that was a yes, bang on right hand. I had to follow her on Instagram after that one. Speaking of bang on, Luke, can we play the audio here of Matchroom Sports announcer David Diamante? Oh, the dude with the dreads. And out of the scale, ladies and gentlemen, here's the undefeated blonde bomber, Ebony Bridges. 117, bang on for the blonde bomber. 117 pounds, bang on for Ebony Bridges. Luke, you've been around combat sports a long time. Is that 
Is that a yeah, proper reaction to that kind of way in Luke? Among the range of things that could have been said, that that only that was said is actually relatively miraculous. All right, bang on. Let's keep it going here, Luke. Uh, a, a viewer sent this in to send you to hell. Here's the legend Ronnie Coleman, Luke. Uh, Dude, hold on. Stop, 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 stop. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. Just, just, just hang on a second. I understand that on occasion, a guy who put in seven days a week on all the steroids might have worn gloves on occasion. I am trying to explain to you. Just 99 okay. point. Let me finish. Just let me finish. 99. 0.9% of lifters, including and especially the most elite, do not under any circumstance wear motherfucking gloves. Please. King of the Lifts already left a comment in the Morning Combat Instagram channel. This guy was a ranked power lifter, a judge for on the national level. He's like, dude, people don't do it. I don't know why this is such a hard lesson to learn. Luke, I'm only a messenger. I'm a conduit of the people. And uh, and, know, and honestly, Ronnie, his behind-the-back fucking uh, trap shrugs suck. They're not even very good. So you know what, Ronnie? Work on your form, guy. Oh, how about that? How dare you? All right, don't be throwing shade at this guy, Luke. He's done. He spilled more steroids than you've done. Okay, Luke? All right. I've never done any steroids yet. Uh, but yes, you're right. It just drives me crazy. They find this guy. They're like, dude, it's totally common people wear gloves. It's common among overweight, middle-aged women at Planet Fitness. That's Luke, it. in your front yard, when, when BC goes to DC, in your front yard, I'm gloving up, brother. I'm telling you that much right now. That's fine. Right? You you and my middle-aged neighbors, you guys can all glove up together. Uh, men, we don't do that. All right. Hey, Luke, two weeks ago, top-ranked boxing in Las Vegas. Did you see this, this knockout from F.A. Ajagba, the unbeaten heavyweight, Luke? Watch this bullshit. Whoa! <laughs> Woo! He sent him wow. spinning like laundry. Pow. Yikes. Uh, we've got an alternate angle of this, Luke. This is, you got to watch this one. Woo. Dude, that oh is. They don't come a lot better than that, BC. Yeah. Ajagba's got that Nganu scary power, Luke. He uh, he was formerly of the PBC. I think he's, uh, he was, you can see it. He's top rank now. He switched teams, but uh, By the way, still got the power. For folks who don't know, there was famously a few years ago about that started, and right as it started, one guy walked out of the ring and just walked back to the back, didn't throw a single punch, just left, and it was kind of famous. That dude who left is not this guy. The dude who left was the guy fighting this winner here. He was like, yes. fuck that. I don't want any part of it. I'm out. He's like, you're paying me this much to fight this guy? I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah. so that's nope. well done there. All right, Luke, we have Zapruder film footage that just came in of how Shogun Hua really lost to John Jones in their light I've heavyweight this. title. This is old. Yeah, I've seen this. The old oh, Luke, that track. is just, what in the name of Tony Hawk? Skate or die, Luke, indeed, right? That's, that's, finally we get the truth about how that fight went down, right? You know, that's, that's not good. By the way, he beat the piss off of our guy Shogun there. I mean, he beat the, Luke, that was a wider victory than John over you at the 214 presser. That was like, wow, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, I didn't have bodily injury. My heart might have been hurting, but that's it. Yeah. Hey, Luke, you ever hear of the term old man strength before? Check out this street fight. Uh-oh, let's see. Don't me First of all, don't mess with old guys, okay? Whose heart is this? <laughs> Uh-oh, uh-oh. Standing in the street, you know he's never fought before. 
<laughs> never, never. Boom. Oh, yeah, I just walk. I mean, these dudes, they just, I don't. <sighs> wow. It's like, it's, like, just... it's like, listen, I know. <laughs> listen, I know you couldn't get into the Rusted Root concert, BC, but you got to. That's true. You got to just not walk into big. T- I mean, what are we doing here? <laughs> Somebody clean that guy up here. We got a we got traffic to move around. Wow. All right, Luke. I got one more for you. Luke, you and I are pretty damn good friends. I never want to be this close though, Luke. Would you <laughs> I mean, is it is it is it that much different than the lady in the tramp spaghetti scene with the two dogs, Luke? Either way, I I'm not I don't I I'm don't, not uh, yeah. I'm not going to say that I hope you get COVID cuz that would be really mean. But I am thinking about it. There is it's a going, limit to my to our friendship, Luke. I mean, I, I'm I'm pretty good friends with you, but this is no, no, that's it. All right, Luke. Thank you, thank you, everyone. Thank you. That's a supersized edition of Have You Seen This Shit. There you have it. Uh, all right, BC. Time for odds and ends. For odds and ends, what do you have? The zone boxing over the weekend. The aforementioned Demetrius Andre, the WBO middleweight champion. Luke, here's the deal. He's been elite for eight freaking years. And still cannot get an, a, a, a elite, an elite opponent. He fought Liam Williams on Saturday. He went out there. We showed the footage of the uppercut. He got hurt late in this fight and recovered. He was vulnerable. And yet, Luke, it's like when we talk about what's next for the big southpaw, who's been, you know, he's technically brilliant. He's quick. He's strong. He's, he's a great fighter. He's had marketability issues. He had to sit out two years to get out of his uh, promotional deal back in the day. And we still can't get this guy into a big fight, which means still most people don't know who this guy is, and it's sort of a waste of time to put it in the rundown. But, Luke, I want to kind of ask you, whose fault at the end of the day is that? Here's some footage of Eddie Hearn after this fight. I want to get your reaction to it. Eddie, it's your responsibility to make big fights for Demetrius Andrade. You told me this week he is the most difficult fighter to make big fights for. Did your job get more or less difficult after tonight? Well, I thought, firstly, it was a great fight. Big props to Liam Williams. You know, if you're a champion watching that fight, firstly, as Demetrius says, you know, he's done his job. It's not his responsibility to convince the other champions to fight him. Champions are supposed to fight champions. Okay, you've got guys out there like Jamal Charlo. You know, his brother's doing a great job. He's going through the divisions fighting champions. Jamal Jamal Charlo is fighting, um, I can't remember his name. What's his name? Juan Montiel. Right, Juan Montiel. Well, I mean, Conor McGregor said it best. You know, I don't know what he's doing. He's got an opportunity. If he doesn't want to fight on his own, we've made him a massive offer. Demetrius will go and fight on Fox. It's not a problem. He's not. Now, Luke, he went on to say a guy in his own sphere, Triple G, why are you looking to fight Murata in December? And look, I get there was some intensive slander there against Showtime uh, by by criticizing Charlo's opponent. But Luke, again, we're eight years into the Demetrius Andrade elite experiment. Whose fault is it at this point? Because DAZN paid Triple G and Canelo a stupid amount of money along with Andrade. They can't get any of those guys in the ring with each other. (sighs) Whose fault is it? Jesus. Um... (laughs) God, who... I mean, all of them? You know, I mean... It's a varying degree. The question is not whose fault is it. The question is who bears the most fault. And that one, you know, that's debatable. I'll just say if you're Demetrius Andrade, the idea that who you're fighting is all that's really available given what everyone else is doing, I don't buy that. 
I don't buy here or there. Sure, you know, certain moments fine, but like given it's been this long and it's been this consistent, you have a little bit of mirror gazing. I think that's due. No. I mean, to his to, like, he's he was boring for a while. Then there's been fights where Andre just stepped on the gas and went after guys. And, and then even in this fight, Luke, he got he was he looked vulnerable. It's almost like he has to dumb himself down to maybe get hurt and show people that he's not as good as they think he is to make that risk reward make sense. I just don't get how you can be this deep into your career and still have not actually really proven yourself on like the super elite level. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say, but. Um... It's unfortunate. I can certainly say that. Now, I don't know if I can blame Andrade. I can't blame him for this post-fight interview real quick. Gaff, can you load that one up in the hopper? Okay, okay, that's, that's good. Is that, maybe, is that maybe, you maybe. after three White Claws trying to freestyle? <laughs> Maybe it is his fault. Uh, also, quickly, Luke, PBC on Fox put on a... Uh, it should not have been a main event. I was not into it, but I was into Tony Harrison coming back. He took on Bryant Perella. Harrison had been off for more than a year. I interviewed him heading into this fight. We remember him from those two great fights with Jermel Charlo. Uh, he didn't look great, Luke. He fought to a split draw against a very inspired Bryant Perella, who was stepping up in class, and I thought it was the best performance of his career. It's not that Harrison looked bad, Luke, but... He didn't look great. He got outlanded, and he was sort of lucky to come away with the split draw. Uh, Jermel Charlo jumped to the Twitter afterwards and kind of sent him to hell. Let's check that out real quick. Mother effer ain't the same after that last one. Number three will never happen. He'll really get hurt. Somebody tell Tony to retire. And then one more from Jermel. Like, what the F, bruh? They love that bald-headed bitch. Shit pissed me off. Boy legacy trash fasho. Luke, I don't for, know if no, I can no. translate that. For show. For show. Thank you. Thank you for translating that. I was I white guide that very very hardcore. Uh, Luke, do you, uh, maybe we'll never see this trilogy. Maybe we shouldn't. That was a tough 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 break for for Harrison. But he's not dead. Okay, he didn't die in that ring. He was okay. He looked okay. Right? Do you care? Yeah. You don't care. You don't care. No, I mean uh, the ratings were not great either. Like. They were half of what they would. It was less than half of what they would do for like Demetrius Johnson fights, which were low compared to what UFC could do on that network. So like, yeah, people uh, dude, did I don't not know care. These PBC on Fox main events have not been strong, so we'll we'll see what happens right there. But uh, I I still want to see this third fight. I still care about this. Not next, not anytime soon. But uh, interesting breakdown there, Luke. What do you got for odds and ends? For odds and ends, BC, I have that the PFL is back this week. We'll get to it a little bit later in the week when we preview it. But this Friday, PFL season three starts. Uh, this will be they're calling it PFL twenty twenty number one. All the naming conventions in MMA are terrible. But on the card in your main event. Anthony Pettis, BC, takes on boxing sensation Clay Collard. How about that? Clay Collard is a guy who fought in MMA, including UFC. Didn't do all that great. Uh, Fought in boxing during the pandemic. Fought a bunch of, not nubbers, but guys who were underdeveloped or whatever. And won in an upset fashion numerous times. Now he's back in MMA, also on the card. BC Nathan Schulte taking on Marcin Held from Bellator and lightweight con- uh, and a UFC contender. Uh, let's see, Bubba Jenkins is on this card against Lance Palmer, who has won a lot of money, even though folks would not have been paying attention to him. Uh, the guy who was on the contender series who won but shot for a takedown and therefore 
earned Dana White's irrational anger. Brendan Lochtan or Lochnan's on this car, taking on a tough fight. Shaman Marish is on it. And uh, all the way up and down, Chris Wade is on this card. Um, yeah, should be kind of fun. Friday. Yeah, I, I think it's really good matchmaking with Collard and Pettis. Uh, it, like, in theory, it should be like a almost get well announcement fight for Pettis. Like, come look great on our platform and announce yourself to the future. But obviously, with Collard having a story and switching sports, you know, he's he's a sort of a blue collar everyman hero himself. Uh, I don't think he can make it a fight, Luke. But uh, you know, I haven't followed his MMA career all that closely of late, so this should be. Uh, he's not a very- bad fighter. Like he, you know, obviously Pettis has done more than Collard ever has in terms of, you know, full on upside. But Pettis is kind of far from that. Um, and, you know, I don't think Collard will beat him, but eh, he could make it interesting. I, I don't, I'm, I'm curious to see how he does. I'll, I'll put it that way, you know? Did you see uh, Abe Kawa tweeted out that uh, Showtime Pettis was offered the Oscar De La Hoya trailer fight and he turned it down? Why did he turn it down? I don't know. I mean, he is a part of a tournament on PFL, Luke, and just signed a big contract, so maybe that's part of it, but. Uh, yeah, that's it. Look, I, I'm just look. You got to understand that I've dealt with Oscar for years as a boxing reporter. He's also my favorite fighter ever. It's also a train wreck to watch him just fall apart as a human. I've had fun times interviewing Oscar. I still get jazzed up for it because he's freaking Oscar. He's my guy. The fishnets did happen, Luke. Okay, it freaking happened. And um, seeing him on Saturday was just like I don't want him to take this fight. I don't even. I mean, that was just that was bad, Luke. It was bad. I don't, you don't never meet your heroes. I always I say always meet your heroes because, like, you know, I'm a sh- like, go meet Sugar Ray Leonard, George Foreman. They'll blow you away, Luke. Those are heroes that, like, they'll give you your moment. You know what I mean? Uh, but, you know, sometimes your heroes aren't, aren't, aren't really heroes, Luke, okay? I know. You people. Know, I had people, people calling me a buzzkill on Saturday night because of what Oscar was doing. I'm like, yeah, dude, it's fun to laugh at him calling Steve Cunningham, who's USS Cunningham. That's his nickname. Calling him USSR and whatever. But it's like, y'all know that this dude has been battling drug and alcohol addiction uh, in, like, really toxic ways for a long time, right? Like, it's it's not my job to say how he should party, but if I was the producer of Triller, out of respect for his struggles and for addicts everywhere, I would not have let that go on or even put him on the air maybe even at all. Uh, unless it was, yeah, did you, see- you know, to announce his fight or, or not announce, but, you know, promote. Did you see that Oscar was caught on on uh, his audio was caught picking up him saying yelling at the producers to put the effing camera on him on his face more often? Put more of my fucking face. I, I'm gonna start. That's gonna be my sign off from now on. Put more of my yeah. fucking face. Bye. Yeah, yeah. R all over my face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, BC. That that is it for us today. We appreciate everyone watching. So glad you're back. Um, as always, thumbs up on the video, hit subscribe, give us a follow on social. You can see the lower third there below. They're going to put it up here. It's, uh, let's see, there it is. Morning Combat, the name stays the same everywhere, but obviously you can see BC and I have slightly different names for ourselves between Twitter and Instagram. So consider giving us a follow there. This is critical. We're going to do fan submissions on Wednesday. Morningcombat at gmail.com is the place to send them. Some people email me. Do not email me. They're not going to make it into the show. You got to email morningcombat at gmail. You can email me for other reasons, but not for that. So please don't do that. Um, and let's see, merch. We can go to store.show.com. You can get some MK merch, you know, hats, beanies, mugs, shirts, fucking axes, you know, uh, fleshlights, all kinds of stuff. It's great. And uh, yeah, if you want to try Showtime for 30 days for free, you can. Uh, if you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can go. 
You can go uh, walk off a bridge. Um, but if you want to take the plunge, not into the water, but to Showtime's world, there you have the URL. So you can see it right there. All right? BC, one, welcome one back, note, sir. Luke, I'd be, thank you for that welcome and greeting. And I'd be remiss if I didn't thank the, the great people of the state of Tennessee where I did spend a week's vacation. Luke, pound for pound, they love them some guns. They love them some knives. They love them some comfort food. They don't wear masks. But they are some of the nicest people mm in the lower 48. I don't typically see really nice people in the New England Northeast area. It's very no eye contact, get back to work. Uh, you go to the South, you remember what good treatment and, and hospitality and manners are really like. So the, it, it, it kind of rebirthed a new love for life through me. Yeah, I mean, except okay? for the history of, um, you know, Jim Crow segregation and... Uh, yeah, except for that part. Yeah, except yeah, for that part. Yeah. You know, and, and other forms of legislation against uh, uh, burdened communities. Yes, Southern hospitality is actually a very real thing. Oh, except for old Marietta. F that. Except for old Marietta. Yeah, F it's them. like, dude, yeah. that's what Canada... Canada is Southern hospitality without um, Jim Crow. <laughs> that's, the, that's the difference. Yeah. All right. Um, we got to get out of here. I'm teasing Tennessee. Don't get mad. It's a nice state. Uh, Nashville's cool. Relax. All right. Um, we're going to be back on Wednesday. We're going to have some other stuff to have that we're going to do for UFC 261. We're going to have a post fight show on Saturday. We got a ton of stuff cooking. So we appreciate you watching thumbs up, hit subscribe. We'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. And until then for Brian Campbell, Malka, CBS sports and showtime, I'm Luke Thomas. May all of your gains be loyal. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.